Shay, we got another podcast this week. Jesus Christ, one at a time. Shay, you took the Lord's name in vain. No, I didn't, Dave. I actually found it quite useful, Dave. Equanimity. Quality of being calm. Who is it? Messenger service. Even tempered. March, we're gonna play a game. I have to give the wrong house. Oh, called Shut Up Unless You're Me. I love that game. You're a private investigator? Just 20 bucks in there, all right? Just take it. No, I'm not here for that. I'm a messenger. Give me your left arm. No! Yeah, come on. No. When you're talking to your doctor, no. you tell him you have a spiral fracture. No! Deep breath. No. I'm not in the yellow pages. If you got trouble with someone, you might ask around for me, Jackson Healy. I work for the Department of Justice. My daughter, Amelia, is in danger. Please find her, protect her. March, Jack Healy. I'm not here to hurt you, so I'm gonna ask you a question. No. How stupid do you think I am? I got a license to carry, dumbass. And ever since your little visit, this little baby's gonna stay right here. Don't move. There's a couple of people I trust say you're pretty good at this. I want you to find Amelia. I would have thought your job ended with breaking my fucking arm. You're the guy who beat up my dad. Hey, sucker punched your dad. Big difference. Seen this girl? She's got dark hair. Name's Amelia. What's in it for me? He'll stop doing it. Doing what? Oh, fuck! Dad? Dad, there's like whores here and stuff. Sweetheart, how many times have I told you don't say and stuff? Just say, Dad, there are whores here. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, Amelia is involved. One thing we know for sure, something funny's going on. The world's worst detective. The world's worst. March! Gun! Gun! Fuck! Shit! Look at the bright side. Nobody got hurt. I'm saying I think they died quickly, though, so I don't think that they got hurt. Come on! All right, Pints and Popcorn is back for our more regular scheduled style episodes. Really excited today to be doing uh, The Nice Guys of 2016. Uh, Shane Black joint, which was just um, such a joy and is just a movie that I think Shane and I have labeled as one of the most, the best rewatchables of the last decade, I think, and and definitely probably the most underrated of our truly rewatchable film. Uh, before we get into it, I introduce my beautiful co-host. Um, just wanted to do a quick read, which isn't much, um, just to get around our socials. Um, Instagram is probably where I post the most because film is such a visual uh, medium. So get around our Instagram. Pint. It's just uh, straight up if you search it, just pints popcorn. There's no and in the middle. Pints popcorn. You'll see the logo and see the posts. And that's just where I stories and, and post about the podcast. 
YouTube as well for the um, video podcast if you prefer that and want to see us. If you don't want to see us and you think we've got faces for radio, then just listen to it on Spotify or whatever. Um, and we're on Twitter and Facebook as well, but Instagram certainly the medium you'll find us the most active at. That's about it. Oh, yeah, online store coming soon as well. Just keep an eye out for that. I just want to keep mentioning that, but that's about it. Rate, review, subscribe. Only if you're going to give us five stars, though. Um, if you're going to give us one star, why the fuck are you listening? Because you must hate it anyway. But five stars given given to us. Otherwise, just listen in silence. About That's four. a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we're, we're low self-esteem. We'll take four. <laughs> uh, anyway, that is the voice of the co-host, Shay. What's up? What's up, dude? How's it going? Immediate train. So hopefully... <laughs> barely audible, barely audible. My um... life is bad, and that's why I've turned to cinema. Um, before <laughs> we get into it, um, I would once again on this podcast like to apologize for my behavior. Um, I don't believe I said anything that was flippant, but I do not like to present myself that way. And I was just excited to be on vacation and to be back on the podcast. So moving forward, I will try to keep it in the pocket. <laughs> that won't be the last time you hear this apology. Let's just be real. Nope. Um, yeah, that that is referring to our podcast from um, just on Thursday or dropped on the account on Friday. So only three or four days ago, uh, we already had this uh, movie idea for a few weeks and then but we decided to just do a little bit of a re a soft landing back into podcasting about movies with last week's episode and uh, first, so. <laughs> and we both got ripped i think we were just so excited it was like that 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 first i want to say first day of school excitement because that was more terrifying yeah first day camp that's a better idea because the first day of school was tears and 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 existential crisis uh but yeah, yeah for, yeah, maybe like when you're in second grade and you get to see all your friends again. Yeah, and yeah. It's not too hard yet, which this podcast is not hard. So. <laughs> we make it hard on ourselves by deciding to drink all the time during it. Yeah, I think we were just excited to get back on the mics and talk about film, which we love to do. And, yes, uh, yeah. We talked about some unfun stuff and we talked about some fun stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think it was a good idea to do it that way. <laughs> yeah yeah dive back into a movie because like even the beginning of this podcast i forgot we used to do that <laughs> intros because it had been a while <laughs> yeah like i said it's been a couple of years since we did a proper movie one well almost two and a half years it was early 2021 when we last did we did goon and we're in mid 2023 now so um it's been a while we're still in the pandemic pretty hard like, yeah with the last one um and again i don't no, anybody who listens to this knows that I do drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Our old episodes, I was isolated in a podcast. This past podcast, I was very excited that it was back. So I will normally keep it to a few pints and no popcorn. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, the last, you know, this last episode a couple of days ago was you're on vacation and then back in the original run of episodes you were well i mean we were you, you i think you were fully working from home at the time um oh yeah yeah so it's just like it was a different world and we all had our coping mechanisms for covid and, i don't uh, think i had even been vaccinated yet so yeah yeah no like, i don't COVID they certainly they definitely weren't available in australia yet so um because i got covid yeah. in february of that year so that's mm -hmm. like right around we did our last one so yeah, yeah. god what it's anyway but we're back, and this is a movie I that I'm not. <laughs> yeah. No, no, 
This is a movie that we talked about doing. I know in that original run as well, we were, we were always waiting. I don't know if we were waiting for the right time or we we're just like, I, I don't know what it was. We, tr- I guess we try to uh, uh, mix up the episodes a little bit theme. And, and, you know, if we do, you know, we do something light, then we go to something, maybe drama or horror, you know, whatever. We try to not do a run of stuff unless there's a particular theme to a couple of weeks. So maybe this one just kept on getting shunted to the side, but I'm glad that we just decided to jump it back in with this one because uh, it deserves, especially now seven years removed roughly from its release. I know it was a 2016 movie. I don't know what time of the year it released, but we're about seven years removed from it. It's a movie that unfortunately didn't blow up the box office and all that ultimately led to the fact that we haven't heard any news of any sequels as it seemed to possibly set itself up for. Um, and but it's i find it just such a misunderstood uh, absolute classic i just feel like anybody that watches it immediately falls in love with it it's just getting people to watch it which shouldn't have been so hard with ryan gosling and russell crowe but they're in completely i wouldn't say completely different because um gosling can do anything as we Mm. saw as we both saw in barbie this weekend and um and crowe is um such a good straight funny guy which we never really get to see you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't really play that very often so i think people don't really know what to expect and then i mean shane black is amazing but he's not like exactly boss box office royalty so he makes he makes interesting films that you know you either like or you don't you know i could say the same about wes anderson and a few other directors maybe david or russell but like yeah I think if you really like it, like Wes Anderson, then you're really, really gonna like it. And mm. I think, I like, like I said, anybody who's seen who has seen this movie, I, I haven't seen anybody dislike it that yeah. I've re- like recommended it to because I just it's such a fun like, I don't know, it has something for everybody. I think so. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I think ultimately, and we'll get into the a bit of a few factors of the story and the different things that we love. I know that we love, um, but I can if I put on my you know if you try to do devil's advocate with yourself and you're having a discussion about film as i as i think people that like to think about film we always try to look at what issues people might have had with it and i can see those but we'll get into that on the surface though what you said is right like gosling um has been as since this movie had some big movies come out with some great performances um barbie obviously is blowing up the box office at the moment i think it just broke the record for the biggest opening weekend from a female-led film which is wonderful yeah. news and and 150 plus million in an opening weekend for any film is just right. massive but um really good for um uh, greater and co and the and the creative team behind it and margot had a big hand in getting the movie kind of rolling as well so uh so you know gosling's in that and obviously we'll, i think we'll do an episode on barbie at some point so we won't get into it too much but his, gosling yeah, yeah. gosling's performance is just one of the major major one of many major plus points for that movie yeah. um but you and know like, even you wanna, i don't want to spoil anything if anybody's listening to this no no we're not going to get into it yeah but margot robbie's performance that's not a spoiler it's just all time like, yeah both of them she's great she has like she delivers a line early on in the film that just floored me and it just like i don't know it just absolutely set the tone for the film i know we're talking about a different movie yeah <laughs> um but, yeah, yeah so to get but, but yeah Dawson's great in it and that's kind of like why like this film got brought up, I think. Or I don't even know why. Well, we I think I think if you're gonna if you're gonna show like Gosling's performance in this is very uh, very physical 
and like physical uh, you know it's face it's a lot of facial stuff um and we'll get into that and it's very physical as well uh it's very comedic which it has a lot of parallels to what he has to do in barbie which is a lot of expression expression and and physical acting as well as is as well as the kind of emotional beats that he hits as well which he does in this as well but as i was saying um it was only a year after this that he that blade runner 2049 came out and he has to play a completely different role which is actually an anti you know his role in that movie um is as an android which isn't a spoiler it's it's very it's in the synopsis um it well, was, I haven't seen it, so yeah good. i'll get you to watch it at some point because i think yeah, it's going to be an inch yeah i mean yeah. if anybody's listening to this pod or if this is it's as um somebody on my favorite sports podcast says which is this is going so deep inside the rabbit hole of podcasting but he says every comic is somebody's first comic about like mm comics and he says that about sports about their sports podcast now i'm mm-hmm. saying it about this about movie podcast so everybody this is everybody's first comic um everybody's comic is every is somebody's first comic and um people will know that i don't really like sci-fi very much mm-hmm. but um but yeah that so one that that one as a as a performance um and as as a i know that you are and this is pertinent to this podcast too and we'll get into the performance a bit more but uh, i know you said after coming out of barbie that you think gosling's your favorite actor at the moment at the uh, moment yeah which it always changes like everyone There's has their runs Daisy coming with leo though so. yeah yeah <laughs> well <laughs> so, gonna, we're gonna have to keep tabs on on, on where your uh, favorite actor rankings ooh, go i would summer. love that weekly tab yeah like, based on what i've seen yeah because yeah. it is it's leo and gosling and that's we'll, like... we'll do like power rankings I'm not like a like you don't have to be a cinephobe to like be like know that those guys are at the top of their game mm-hmm. and i know this movie is from a ways back but like since just looking at it, the movie he did after this was la la land which was huge mm-hmm. uh, i don't even know song to song but after that he did blade runner and then he did first man and then he did um the gray man which you know is an action film but mm-hmm. um but so it's like he doesn't do small movies anymore, which he used to. He used to do great movies that really showcased his acting. But yeah. um, this is kind of both because it's mm-hmm. a big production, but also really showcases, especially his comedy side, which you don't get to see. Like La La Land, maybe La La Land is whatever. I think I think La La Land, um, even a couple of years before this with Crazy Stupid Love, you got to see comedy. Uh-huh. And some of yeah. his comic timing and and some of that, but you didn't get to see. I think this movie was the first one I saw it truly on show, um, in the sense of just it was a truly comedic performance, a lot like laced with some real good emotion. There, like the connection between. I mean, I guess we get into it first. Um, I think the the big part of what makes this movie work is the connection between him and the character Russell Crowe's character. So his character of Holland March uh and russell crowe's jackson healy and then his relationship it's actually a bit of a triangle his there's there's the relationship between those two is obviously our two main uh protagonists and then his relationship with the uh angry rice i think her name is is the actress that plays his daughter of holly march she 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 is yeah she is great and both of them have this great um relationship and and on-screen uh, chemistry with her as well and in between the three of them this it, it, it elevates it ele- elevates a great script like shane black and uh, and uh, i should have written it down there's another guy involved in the script i'll get it i'll search it while we're talking but i think but even shane black with like great actors like as you see in kiss kiss bang bang with robert mm-hmm. Downey, 
is like he had like he has the guys that he wants for or, and Val Kilmer for that Val Kilmer yes. is amazing in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and like he writes specifically for these people and it just works out perfect or like at least he finds people that can deliver exactly what he's looking for in his script and I think that's what jumps off the screen is that in this which Shane Black is really good at is like that like duo that doesn't really like each other but ends up having to be on the same side because that's the same thing that happens in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang but and um, and, and Lethal Weapon <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's the classic, which is what's also funny which is when you. Hilarious. Look. Yeah. And like, just like Lethal Weapon versus like, they're like similar stories, but like it shows how much filmmaking grew in just that span of mm. thirty years. Ago. So it's like, like what he started at to what it like evolved as, and how like directors were pushed to be more creative and not just formulaic. Like, it really is amazing, and like, yeah. Because this easily could have just been like, you get Gosling and Crow on for a buddy cop movie, and like, mm-hmm. oh, any major studio is going to sign off on that because their their box office gold. And but yeah. to do it in the way that they did it with like, I don't know how to describe. It. Like that's another reason why it's so great is you don't really know how to describe it. And it's like, Marsh is like the bad detective but he's also not that bad and he's actually really really good i think (laughs) but he can't smell he's and that's a big thing yeah which i think he's really because he has a couple of moments where he he, it's because of and there's a lot of personal tragedy behind these characters which is perfectly i think it's another another aspect by the way i'll just mention it now before i forget it yeah, please. The do. co the co writer of the script was a was a man named Anthony Bagger Bagarozzi. I, I I'm probably mispronouncing that, but anyway. Probably <laughs> done a much better job than I I I would have. Um, so that's the co writer. We got to give him his plug as well. He was he was um yeah. credited as co writer on the script, and and obviously we just know more about Shane Blackhouse. I, no, I actually meant to make a note. I've got notes. I just completely forgot that I had right. Nice. Uh, Nights. <laughs> I need a soundboard. Give <laughs> me a soundboard. Oh no. <laughs> when when some of the merch starts selling, I'll I'll, I'll get something sent yes. to you. And until that point, you deal with being yeah. your own. I gotta personal, come up with more catchphrases. Your own personal uh, soundboard. Um, but that's one of the the beautiful things about the script is there's so much. I love a script that uh that perfectly laces in all the backstory without making it. And some people might think it's. I just think it's beautifully done. Like the little bits of backstory, the 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 tragedy of Russell Crowe's backstory, which is kind of done comedically, even though you can see it's actually Aren't very much. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you're the Well, it's not just that; it's the it's the Jack. I'm fucking your father bit as well. He just spits his water out and just split. And it, um... <laughs> yeah, he just I, just I went in quotes on IMDb. Yeah. Just that little scene made quotes like the best quotes of the film, which I think there are better quotes, but you know, and it was whatever. perfectly it, it done is... like just his little calendar of, of quotes per day and he's brushing his teeth in equanimity. Yeah. The the what is it, the 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 act of being calm and composed even in difficult circumstances, and then he accepted yeah. he's, he accepted a betrayal with equanimity, and then it just cuts to that 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 one line. And then him yeah. spitting his water and looking completely shot and just and and kind of um, we're going to talk about um, Gosling's physical performance in the Luke the Costello inspired kind of uh, inspired little bits of uh, all time all time yeah, all time 
But even Crow, even Crow in that little moment kind of has that, like he's kind of like, there's water on me. And then he's just and he's water dribbling down his chin. And then he just finally looks at her and goes, what? And it just snaps back to reality. And it's just like, and it's just such a perfect bit of edit. Like it's it's a lot of filmmaking stuff in there is, is the editing of that and working out what, and then the writing of it as well. And then the acting and everything comes together and just such a, and it's only about what, 10, 15 seconds of the total film and is actually superfluous to the storyline of the the film itself but, but it, it, it in ev- everything understand the character yeah character development in 10 seconds and like films do it so terribly these days of like drawing out these like extended like storylines and it's just like like having holly explain to russell crowe why he is the way he is is such mm. an effective method of storytelling like that was perfect mm. and it and it's exactly the same way as gosling explaining that he can't smell because that can be like that and it's just like it's just these like different little moments that he just placed perfectly in the film perfectly yeah. because like he could have explained like he could have done a jump back scene to marsh getting hit in the head Mm-hmm. but he didn't he just got yeah can't smell yeah or could have done you know a, a, a different director might have done like a dramatic flashback to the fire that killed the killed right. march's wife and holly's uh, mother it's not the tone of the movie but at all no there are serious themes to this film as well which we'll get to yeah and and, and does quite have an actually dark undertone which i think yeah that might be coming the second half when we talk a bit more into that but we'll just get into second the character and a bit half, of the second half coming up yeah i'm the worst human being (laughs) um but yeah it's it's what makes the movie so i think like when you think about a little a little bit deeper as we are and talking about here is like you could have had a movie that was perfectly surface level good comedy light story all those things with these two characters and and being decently written we probably would have enjoyed it but i think the reason that we really enjoy it and keep going back to it is like we find beyond all the comedic stuff and the Abbott and Costello stuff and whatever you want to talk about with the the more comedic moments there's this underlying heart to the movie about two guys that again on the surface you go well March is just an idiot Jackson Healy's a bit of a Wrong. just a just a cold cold-hearted um you know jughead you know or whatever but like beneath the surface a there's brute. two guys like yeah, a brute two... who gets paid to beat people up for money which yeah they addressed early on so yeah I mean how he meets Marsh uh, that's like yeah yeah and then holly's just like you want to beat up my friend janet (laughs) (laughs) is a real see you next tuesday and that's something that won't get brought up in the second half (laughs) i was literally in my head just going she's a bit of a cunt isn't she and then you said see you next tuesday i was just like we're we're connected with our brains um another reason why this is our maiden voyage back other than hopefully what is a forgotten pod that we have already had put up um uh is just that we have a very similar partnership to this duo (laughs) yeah i think we inhabit a lot of but yeah i mean i'm australian so i guess i just naturally fall into there yeah yeah and i guess and i guess considering our barroom situations with certain people that decide to mouth off at us i'm usually the one that starts going jackson healy before (laughs) and i'm like i'm like (laughs) the guy says well, you know, why should I do that? He's like, and I'm like, because he'll stop doing that. 
<laughs> it's like all right jesus i was again i was just thinking i was thinking of that bit as an example to bring up and you bring it up so that's and that's well he also is immediately served a miller high life when Lars or like god damn it i'm going to do it that's the first one that's no, we, we, have we explained that yet okay so no, shay, no, we haven't explained it yet so for, for the audience shay until about three weeks ago when we started talking about um, doing doing this movie in earnest um, I'm, I mentioned March a couple of times and you kept on saying large. And I finally realized that you thought his name was Holland large, which large. actually isn't a bad name, you know, like Largeman. I thought people call, like, that's why he's like large, large. He's our man. Like, what are you saying it to himself drunk? Like, <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. I can't read. Okay. First of all, <laughs> I know. Oh, listen. Rewatching it again for like the 10th time. I see how much his name is in print in the movie. And I'm like, God, fucking idiot but whatever I, I just thought it was large large is the name of a cop like largeman i just in yeah. my head that sounds like a cop yeah no and it wasn't i just thought i'd just just for the rest of the podcast if you accidentally refer to him as large the people now know i almost did it earlier too yeah well um, i, I think i've got I've, i'm gonna try and keep count as i go i won't i won't point it out too much but i'm just i'm just gonna be i like, did it one time before two, Eric too so yeah luckily it's not live <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Marsh works at well too. So yeah, Marsh it's works. a very, it's a very. I mean, even just uh, the names are just. There's so much about the movie that's just so well written that they just, you know, because I, as someone who likes to try to write, and I guess I, I've read, read, I've read some. In, yeah, I've read some inspirational stuff at one point that says, as soon as you put a pen to paper, you're a writer, and I like try to tell myself that, but you know. I know. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not well yeah it could go the other way but um but i can't even remember where i was going with that so that's, that's oh, neither here nor... oh no i was just about to say like one of the things that you you twist your mind up sometimes when you're writing a story is and it's you shouldn't actually you should just put yeah names and i just like holland march and jackson healy like jackson healy is such healy. a great yeah it's just such a great name even holly okay and stick with me for a second mm -hmm. <laughs> holly is perfect for like a child of that time like holly like she sounds like she sounds like a blonde-haired like the thing is well. 19 i think it's 1978 i remember the poster i, think, I believe so as well a poster and from the auto show yeah another thing that i'll briefly mention mention is they show the comedy store multiple times and like that changed shane black's com like um commitment to comedy and he shows like real lists of com comedians that were at the comedy store at the time when the comedy store was like starting and now it's like you know Oh yeah, store. Dan Soda's playing there in a few weeks. I think we're actually going to go see him in Irvine instead because it's easier for us to get to. But yeah, I've heard, um, this, uh, I've heard Irvine's comedy um, place. Wow, Wordsmith was just talking shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, their um, comedy club is not bad. But yeah, Comedy Store is like all time, and it was just like oh yeah. We've driven, we've, we've driven past it a couple of times in the last couple of months because we kind of head out that way a lot for screenings and other other stuff so um yeah it, it's i i did have a yeah i did have a thing to bring up and before so before i get into uh some of the things that are listed here i had something that was just on my mind at the end there when i saw and it's just a minor point but you've, you've brought up the comedy store at the end of the movie like when they they, they part, drive past the comedy store i think it's um it's holland going to meet uh jackson uh going to meet healy at the bar and it's at the end of the movie the bad breath tie That's and all amazing. that stuff but as they drive past this, the sign this movie is about to be around, meant to be around 1978 
Tim Tim Allen's name is on the Comedy Store billboard. Yep. Did you notice I that? Now I looked yeah. up the history of Tim Allen. He was in He's prison. Sorry. He was in prison from 1978 to 1981. So that's that. On the surface level, I go, okay, that's a little bit of a miss. You know, a, maybe maybe before a mistake. No, no, but he didn't come to the. He didn't come to LA until after he was in prison. Yeah, he wasn't there. Yeah. But, also, Tim Allen is an absolute fuck, and I want that on the record. Yes, no, no, that's that's fine. I wasn't going to get into it, but I'm happy with it being on the record as well. Um, but don't tell my boss. But my point being, um, yeah, uh, my point being that Tim Allen was arrested in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I believe, for yeah. for a, like a pound and a half of cocaine. I think Trying it was a pound, like. They they put it in kilos, so who can even do the math? I think I saw I think I saw one point four five pounds, but maybe I was, maybe maybe it was kilos. Either way, yeah, check out that mugshot if you haven't. It's pretty hilarious. And America's quote unquote sweetheart. So here's my point though: the movie has a lot of Detroit, Michigan. It really does, yeah. Uh, obviously, the auto industry and all that is a big part of the movie. I don't know if we'll get into the, some of that stuff in the second half. I think we'll talk about some of the character stuff. Here at the moment i think the the, the story is it got there's enough to talk about we'll, we'll get into it naturally anyway but my point being and this is this is not i don't actually have an answer for this i just thought it was interesting if it was a deliberate thing even knowing tim allen wasn't in los angeles in 1978 to have his name on there as a little link to detroit because he came out even though he was born in denver i think he had a, he had a bit of a comedy career in, in detroit and then oh, he got yeah. and then he got arrested in kalamazoo for cocaine and then came out to the comedy store after that so I was wondering if it was like Shane Black just purely just putting up a name without thinking well, about it, but I think he's smarter than that. Or if it was, yeah, it'd be interesting. Home if any is set in Michigan, it's set in like the suburbs. I of... thought it was Denver actually. No, but he's it, it always, is. It is Michigan. He's always, yeah, wearing a... lion, he's always wearing Lions gear and like, yeah. To be fair, I haven't watched Home Improvement much since I was a kid. It's all red. Kid. Like him and Al get like arrested for like trying to sell tickets in the parking lot at a red wings game so yeah okay yeah i haven't actually watched it much since i was a kid and didn't know as much about sports and because i knew he was from like born and i loved it i loved home improvement oh yeah him allen like i I wouldn't that's not a show i would go back and revisit because he became a fuck yeah well he might have always been and we just didn't realize Might have always been like i've known very few and i've never known a cocaine dealer but um i've known very few um stories of cocaine dealers or transporters who are they're good people yeah <laughs> um anyway that was just that's in my tim allen has nothing to do with the movie apart from his name popping up on that billboard but being that was no. my this is the attention to detail you get from us occasionally hey there's um, we, another we, we miss it we miss a lot of, like prior on it and like yeah. Lewis black or uh, not Lewis black um richard lewis who mm-hmm. would have been popping off back then but like there's another i i watched it last night and i just can't remember all four names so mm. I didn't think it'd get brought up, but I was like, "Hey, that's a cool." Thing. No, it was actually it was only Tim Allen's name that just stuck out to me because I like because oh, I Richard knew. Lewis I, is on there, yeah, which it was, was for like, some reason Tim Allen stuck out to me at the end of the movie, and it just I just did a little Google and went down the rabbit hole of when would he have gotten to LA and all that stuff, and then right. in fact he got arrested in Detroit, and I was like, and then the movie's connection to the Detroit auto industry, and and well, it was yeah. just the American auto industry and all that stuff that comes in, which we'll get into later, but um anyway that was a minor point i don't know if, if anyone listening has an answer and knows about why tim allen's name was on the billboard for a time that he wasn't at the comedy store you let us know because i my theory is it was a nod to him getting well being part of the detroit scene and the detroit link i just thought that was Probably. like a little a little easter egg but, but, uh, to detroit. 
I actually don't know if Shane Black has any connection to Detroit. It's just the movie was. It was just the everything was, but yeah. Well, it's just the the Outside American like... the the auto industry the American auto industry is Detroit. So as the right, movie yeah. we'll get into later on, um, it kind of speaks to because well, and... the whole city killed her. The whole city decided to kill her. So yeah, exactly. You put a spoiler alert right before these things. So. Oh yeah, I I but, well I I you I think we used to say it. We're still rusty. We're getting into it, but. The thing is, if you're going to listen to a podcast entirely dedicated to a movie, a movie that, like that, that is a spoiler. No. That is a spoiler. Like, why would you come and listen to a podcast that's literally going to be labeled? The and nice that could guys. be about anybody. I didn't say any names. Yeah. So I'm just saying <laughs> what is a quote from that movie, but mm-hmm. and it's um, a it's a Marsha quote, and it's amazing. Yeah. The way he says it is so. He's such a snotty brat in this too, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Like, now one of the, no. One... no. <laughs> just... Well, even that scene in his in of his like when he's uh uh when he's just like you understand now he's just like yep yep and then he starts crawling for the gun again it's like you get it now yep <laughs> he still got yep. like, I think it's three or four times he goes no. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh put a fork uh... in me I'm done don't really put a fork in me. <laughs> What was it? Oh, that's the other line he says. Like I made it like and then he gives up all his information straight away. He's like, you just gave up yeah. gave up everything. He's like, I made a discretionary revelation. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also insane that he breaks the wrist that he just severs. Yeah. Right? It's like, dude, that guy's like not gonna be able to use I think it's his right hand. <laughs> no, I'm not his left. No, it's his left it's his left, I think, from because he uh... just ruins multiple suits throughout the entire film, too. Mm-hmm. Of just cutting them up so he can have a cast, but also <laughs> yeah it was funny that i noticed it more in this than ever like i was at the end of the movie i was like he's still just rocking a cast and like getting into gunfights and jumping off of stuff and getting thrown off of things and i think and, I'm and, and... <laughs> like, I don't think <laughs> that's me with drinking no yeah <laughs> i don't think i end up... well one of the things i wanted to ask you about because i have this it's an interesting again this is one of the reasons i think we come back to this movie and love it so much because of the underlying actual human character to the film and and whatnot there's a there's a duality of the movie where it's often they're talking about things that they kind of talk about in a way that's um just they're just uh you know kind of talking about it i'm I'm trying to i'm fumbling my words here this is bad for a podcast but um Kind of throwaway things like I'm going to start. I'll, I'll go back to I'll, 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 all right. Um, my point being at the start yeah. of the movie, before yeah. before we even get to the characters that we get to know, uh, just after the main the credits roll a little bit, we get to um, the kid in the house that goes under, the, like lets the dog out, goes under these parents' bed, finds a porno, and starts looking at Misty Mountains, um, as anyone would, beautiful woman in that movie. Um, R.I.P. Not magazine, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's having a look. And by the way, that act that actor is Ty Simpkins, which uh, for anyone that is an Insidious fan, he is in the first two Insidious movies, and as a grown young adult, is twenty or twenty one now, is in the latest Insidious that's in cinemas right now. If you because I had this thing where I was watching it uh, recently again, and going, who is that kid? And I know who it is, and I looked it up. I was like, oh, duh, it's Insidious kid. So, for anyone wondering. That's how I felt about Holly in this because she was in Mary Abuse Town and she ah. was like much older. Well, not yeah. much. Like when you're that age, like you age time, quick, you age quickly in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even Ty Simpkins is like a young adult in the new Insidious movie and he 
looks still like a preteen in this. So, and it's only seven well, years, which is a long time, but one of the like main detectives in Mayor of Easttown um, is the kid that Michael spanks in the office <laughs> as his nephew. So that was yeah. wild too. So just like seeing that, it was like, what the fuck? And so like, yeah. But also, Holly's in um in that show as a much different character, and it's just like. That kind of, like, seeing her in, like, a modern show, like, kind of was, like, fuck. We, like, probably really couldn't do another Nice Guys. <laughs> but... You well, know, you could, you could, you just have to write a story for when they're... I think that's actually... Um, you could write a story for a few years down the track. Maybe the detective agency's gone under and they've gone separate ways a little bit. And they have to come back together for something. That's that's where that's where you do get to a point, and and I'll talk. I want to ask you about something later, so we'll get we'll just we'll just we'll just stuff that back in. Famous last words of this podcast. We'll get that later. Yeah, uh... so much stuff we don't. I still need to go (laughs) back in, and I still need to go back in and add a link into the show notes from the last episode that I've got to put in when I uploaded it because I was hungover as shit the next day. Um. Anyway, but I'll get to that. Uh, it's, it's it, it was something to, it was something to do with the, the Taylor Sheridan podcast that we lit anyway. Um, anyway, to round back to the point that I started fumbling over about five minutes ago, the kids looking at the magazine, and I think I find this such a powerful start to a movie, and maybe it's just me, and but I think the people that truly love this movie probably are of a similar mindset. The kids looking at the magazine, he's you know smiling and just gawking at this beautiful woman who's laying it all out to misty mountains the the porno actress or the porno young lady whatever you want young lady, <laughs> the porno young lady just so much good writing in this movie we will we, we'll 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 divert into quotes so much for the rest of the way where we apologize in advance but like, so he's looking he's looking at this magazine he's having a good gawk and as he walks away and it's really good again this movie is shot so well i think actually as he's walking oh, out, yeah. out walking out of frame then you see his car just crashing through the hollywood hill like i assume hollywood hills or whatever um or sand, you know, there's lots lots of different hills around the LA area. The valley. Yeah. Whatever. And 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 then it just comes crashing through the crashing through the house, which is oh. uh quite good. Like we me, Andrea and I saw this in cinema, by the way, uh wifey and I, and uh, it was um good yeah, you yeah, good sound I for that. It, it made me jump slightly when that, that car came through the and it still does if I'm watching in the right sound system, if it's headphones or something, the and the sound's okay. good, then it does it does shock you a little bit. And he goes up and um and goes to the scene of this accident and finds, lo and behold, Misty Mountains, the girl that he's just been gawking over in this in this adult magazine, is lying there in a similar way, but she's dying. She's covered Obviously. in blood. Yeah. She's and it's and the look in his face, and it's great acting from the young kid, is just like, you know, she she says the line from the from the movie that becomes right. a big yeah. is a big part of the story. You know, how do you like my car, big boy? And then she passes away and holy shit and he and he and he just I didn't uh, even connect that but how do you like I, my copy oh no I'm, no. I'm very stupid <laughs> um because uh yeah so she says that line and then um and then she passes away and like and, and he out there? holy shit yeah god damn it and <laughs> All right, go ahead. Shay having a, a discretion, discretionary revelation on the podcast. Um, so, and he know, and and, and that this there's this thing in this movie that this theme of what's you know what's right and good and there's gray areas and stuff like that. But um, we'll get and I'll start talking about Holly in a second because she is a real link to the right and wrong of both characters. I think a little bit as well is that 
in a moment where you're faced with something that you actually, you know, is a bit flippant um, when it's outside of your view, but then you do the right thing when it's right there. And like he, he, he's just been gawking at her. And now she's there naked, obviously dead. Like we're not going to get into, you know, but he understands that, you know, this is real. Um, this is tragic. And he's a kid. And he's just got, she's literally the, the pinup girl still kind of like the magazine in front of him, but he, he takes his shirt, I think. And covers up, yeah, cover, co- like, cover, covers up it, covers up a now dead naked body. And I think, and then it goes off to the, and then suddenly we're, um, we're into Jackson Healy's narration, and and you know he goes, yeah. But it kind of like it kind of just lays out a kind of thesis idea for what the um, morality behind this movie is, which is, I think, a little bit that ultimately nice guys don't always you know it's not nice guys finish last but they don't finish first either there's just a gray area in between but you can somehow navigate your way through the world that is kind of shit by just doing the right thing at the right like at the times that it's presented to you and i think that opening scene really lays that out for you when once you've i've only come across this probably maybe this i don't even think the second time i watched it but the third time i watched it when i was really getting a wrap my head around different aspects of the film the, that opening scene just started impacting me more and more. And now I've seen it probably 10 times because um, I've watched it. I know there's a couple of years I've watched it a couple of times and I know I've watched it at least once a year. So I think 10 times in the last seven years is probably, I've watched it two times in the last four weeks. So, uh, <laughs> so I don't know if that's um, something you took out of that opening scene, but I find that opening just really powerful as far as not only starting the story, because it's, it's literally one of the characters, the dead characters that leads this and is part of the investigation, but the morality behind it as well, I think is really important. Well, I just think like the name itself of the film too, like uh, indeed. Yes. Like speak so much to that. And like how we're presented with these two extremely flawed men and like even to Holly's character is flawed. And like, there's no, you know, there are people to blame in this film for sure. But like once they get wrapped up in it, it's just like, I don't know. Like, being a nice guy doesn't... Like, being the, like, leave it to beaver nice guy doesn't... It's not a real thing. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not the real world. Like, we're, as people, forced to make all these decisions all the time. And especially, like, in that stuff, it's like, you're not going to make the right decision every time, which I love about both of these characters. They make the wrong decision multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, especially marsh um but also russell crowe like he makes the wrong decision sometimes and it's just like the idea of the nice guy is that yeah and even like the nice guys finish last thing is so like outdated too it is yeah like even the concept of a nice guy is outdated and i think kind of what shane black was and this is completely off the top of the dome but I think that's kind of what like Shane Black was going for is like nice guys like if you think they existed back in the seventies, no, they they didn't. They were just like us, like they were just as flawed, but they mean well. Like, mm-hmm. so what is the definition of a nice guy? So like, I think like there's a lot to read into there with this. Film. Yeah, like these are extremely pro- profound, like characters because of that. And I'm not just talking the two leads. I'm talking Holly. I'm talking Kim Basinger. I'm talking uh, John Boy is pretty bad as a character. But, um, you know, I'm talking even Chet. Like, let's talk Chet. 
Tetris is involved, and he is he got the shit kicked out of him. Ted, by the way, who was played by um, blanking in his first name, but he's Val Kilmer's kid. So yeah, that's yeah, really cool. Um, who is yeah. who? Val Kilmer is the second lead in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Exactly, and 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 the first lead in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is the dead body oh, of Sid Shattuck by the tree, which I only were, I only found that out probably a month ago myself. Sid was, hat rack. Yeah, Sid hat rack. His name was uh, Sid hat rack. Can we, okay, let's just, before we get into anything, can we, we need to we need to address the elephant in the room, which is a 14 or 15, maybe 14, I think, year old kid riding past a burnt out house and just telling everyone that he wants to show him his dick. This this will actually lead into a greater point about the movie, but I find that that I part, hope so. Why are you bringing that up? Like what the it fuck is it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's it hilarious, it is like... so funny, and I like and it and it's it it is. I think it's a it's again a a part of what is a well written film is when you can do that in a movie without it seeming cringy or you can't do that these days like but it is like what the fuck? it it is like it is like you know it, it, it's a clear clear minor offering to show his dick to a couple of adults and they they just handle it so perfectly like even when he when he's driving when he's just like when he's just like dick dude (laughs) but even when they're even when they're walking away and he just goes and he's and he's saying like oh you you know give me give me 20 bucks and i'll I'll show you my dick and 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 march is walking away going i already gave you 20 bucks dude why am i even saying that like And he's but this and goes Chet, back to just having a great time because yeah. Chet didn't want it. Yeah, Chet didn't. Chet wanted no part of that, but he wanted twenty bucks. So Chet, the projectionalist, um, <laughs> again, just great writing at every moment. Just, just yeah. Um, so yeah, but but you but, but, but trying but, to bring up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I don't no, want to make let, your point for you. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to say something completely different and then be and then maybe like, well, well that was my point. Good. But um, at the start of the movie, there is. Uh, it's well it goes from um it goes from obviously the start with the misty mountains dying and stuff to kids in a classroom laughing at the gay towel thing um and and then and 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 then professionally hilarious (laughs) this is a gay towel (laughs) it's just funny like laughing at people laughing at it it's like oh you're like and and you do remember what times yeah we're so stupid as we're like exactly like and 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 so... and then it goes into sorry to butt in, but it goes into Jackson Healy his narration, no. um, talking about kids these days. I don't know what's wrong with them. And yeah. then like, and then obviously the one of the girls that's laughing goes off and starts smoking weed with a pedophile. And and again, dark undertones of the movie that is just perfectly handled as far as you know, letting you watch it and learn it um, without punching you in the face with it, like a Jackson Healy would. Um, but I think I was going to say, I think I think in the face right away. Stay yeah. away from the little girls. She's a good. I mean, I feel like I shouldn't. Have, if anybody is listening to this and doesn't feel that way, like stop listening. We don't need your. We are a fledgling podcast, but we don't need your listenership. Yeah, it's all the <laughs> all the right all the right wing assholes are going out to see a movie that um, remind uh, uh, rhymes as pound of freedom and uh, and and saying that's the first. Make a joke out of that because. Last week I wanted to do, or the last episode I wanted to, do, when you were like, "So what's the best movie you saw?" I was gonna be like, "Sign of Freedom." <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, I tried to do a, a a rhyming version of that so we wouldn't get flagged. No. Oh shit! Sorry. You no, beat it's, me it's... with something from the movie, and if you can, it will I'm... be uh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Sorry. 
but anyway, um, uh, my point, my joking point was going to be that the nice guys made a point about that very clearly seven years before that came out. Um, but my main point is yeah. the fact is the fact that there is there is like a generational. Yes. The, 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 something that movies like this do well is show that generational misunderstandings happen through different eras. Like because, you know, my parent or my parents or everyone's parents these days goes, what's going on with the younger generation? And this movie was set uh 45 50 years ago and they're still oh 40 yeah it's 78 so no, no, not quite 50 but well, no, but they're still not a math podcast yeah no it's not uh, and, but, but... No, man. no my parents <laughs> would have been my parents would have been 22 when this came out so it's like that's why they like really like beyond it being a really good film that's why they really dug it it's like oh we're like you know we're yeah like I mean, they lived in fucking Lincoln, Nebraska, so it's different than um, yeah. LA at 78. But they were like, they loved it. They were like, mm-hmm. they nailed the seven. They nailed the late 70s. Yeah. Like, yeah, things were different back then. And, but, but, but the one thing that's also, good. but I'm the one thing, that's okay. yeah, I'm but the one thing that always carries through is that every generation and every decade, especially, you know, the late decade stuff where, you know, life is changing a little bit, everyone goes, what's the fuck what the fuck's wrong with the kids these days and it's actually not that there's anything wrong like it's just that times they be a changing as what bob dylan said once um he said so, that 15 years before this movie came out too. yeah so it, not, I, I found that i find there's a few little themes that are just gently woven into the movie one that obviously the point at the start about you know doing the right thing at the right time with the misty mountains um the kid covering her up even though he was just looking at the magazine probably about to go to the room with some some lotion and whatever and then and then ned did not (laughs) have to go that far so that's good yeah we were all teenagers with 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 a nudie mag once um but then the the theme of like generate like um misunderstand just just being scared of what's coming like because i think that's part of the nice guys as well as it's like and and, and even be, beyond you know because they show the protesters about <laughs> what's gonna say, happen. i thought the whole point of the second part of this podcast because we don't talk off air yeah no we just, like no we'll get into that but yeah <laughs> but um i thought the whole second half of the pod would be us talking about like the actual things that we're at stake here, which we're very. Oh well, yeah, that's why. That's why I'm not getting into it too much. I'm just talking about themes that they weave in that then right. we'll wrap yeah, wrap yeah. up. Yeah, and that's the thing. Well, there's is a like... disconnect between yeah, like yeah, even the detectives and the people protesting. It's mm-hmm. like Martian, um, Healy kid. Like they can't understand. Like they think they're just like, like. I don't even know. March and even March and Healy as characters probably have ten fifteen years between them, at least. So it's, they 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 I are. I don't know. Well, no, I, if you I, think, I, I, I don't know. Healy, they they like they. Russell Crowe is quite grizzled and aged in this, and and Gosling is borderline. I I would say maybe I would say. No, but she she's thirteen. Is they actually late? Like so, she's yeah. So he could be forty and have had her, you know, twenty seven. So he's he be, he and, and 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 parents at that at that age. Especially. Then, he could be. He could have been. You know, yeah. He yeah. Been so hard. that's what I'm saying is like there's at least ten years between them. So there's even a, a slight thing that they have where they they. I always they thought have... they were close in age though, like maybe five years. I always thought. No, I, I my thing that's and this. Opinion. We never yeah. find out. Yeah. No, we don't. And that's the thing is it's like, and it'll be interesting to look up how old they are actually, different to each other, but. Um, there, there's there's one of the things we should have done before. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's it's we're just chatting. This is what this podcast is about. But yeah, yeah. 
I find it's just the two things that I find really interesting about this movie beyond getting into the actual story that is what drives the story to its, you know, exciting conclusion and whatever is just the themes that are laced in there. And it, it's the kind of the fear of change we have every time there's big generational changes happening, happening and, and in and, and the late 70s with the, and they lace it in there. There's, there's the killer bees, which is just, we're scared of things coming in, which is in changing and, and, you know, and then and then even they they line up the killer bees thing in the smog with the the killer bee in his dream sequence yeah. is just like, man, we don't fly anymore. It's it's too dangerous for us. Amazing it's, it's, performance by Hannibal Burris, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's sort of the first thing I looked up. I think after I saw it again recently, it was just like I forgot who it was. But it was like that voice is the uh, yeah, and it's and you know as soon as I yeah, it's just so quintessentially him. But um, yeah, there's a lot of like fear of change and then what's right to do in the face of change i think is a lot of what the story is under underlying just the basic idea of um you know we could talk about the face of strife you know it's like yeah it's like what we're dealing with today like we're still dealing with and again we'll get in this in the second half but like we're still dealing with like climate shit obviously and it's much more aggressive now like Mm -hmm. it's not birds dying it's like our friends losing their homes because fires but Mm. i don't want to get too down but like yeah i mean it just shows that it's just like we just keep going over i don't know we keep (laughs) time is a flat circle yeah um but again it goes back to the nice guy's title too it's like hey like we're not all perfect but like just keep striving for good and i think that's what both guys do and I'm not even saying March, like, like March would like, I don't know. Yeah. He, uh, he had a lot of problems, obviously. Like, he was, like, gouging people for money and stuff like that. But, like, you know, he wanted to do well for his daughter. He was obviously a man in grief. So it's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the underlying thing of both those characters, just before I, we'll wrap up for the first half here soon. Um, but, I guess it is a it is an interesting thing to kind of talk about is like going back to March and we I mean we talk about Healy and Healy has a very I think Healy has a more straight it's just like a you know what what is it what does he say marriage is marriage is buying some a house for someone you hate or something like that. Like, yes, yes. he has a very he has and a very right away too that's not yeah. that Shane Black is not fucking around He's yeah by the way exactly what this um. To make a point on narration, because narration in screenplay etiquette is often is can sometimes be controversial because people don't like narration in movies, but I think it's used fantastically in this. I think oh, I think for, I think for noir style or comedy buddy cop stuff comedy like this, I don't yeah. know. There's not a name. Yeah, it's just and you know whether there's there's I don't think there's a, a right way to ever use narration. It's just you've got to you've got to be confident in your execution of it because I think it can come across very it can be very exposition dumpy if it's used the wrong way. But they he there's so much exposition in the narration in this movie without it being obvious because it's just kind of this is so natural. Yeah, so exactly. Natural. And again, goes down to the script, and we'll we'll come back to it a time a few times as we talk just naturally and just give the script plaudits as well. It and just comes just down like, to that, yeah. and and performance. Ed, it's good voice acting from Russell Crowe in that as well, because he really just you know you, you you hear his and Gosling, yeah, but you hear their characters and the and the real 
the 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 acting and the voice of the narration just in that which is just fantastic so i think it's it's i like i i hate this movies i can't think of an example at the moment but i have heard narration in a movie just be like god this is just bad but this this is one of those movies that if i was ever gonna like if someone ever asked for an example of what do you think is a movie that uses narration well i'd just be like just the nice guys it just it, really it does so much back on it too, though, it's not but... something i think about too much until i either hear it very so very poorly if yeah. it's very well if it's very well done as i was thinking when i was watching it again this morning it just can't it just i was thinking about it more or if it's very badly done i just go this is just this is just covering up for the cracks of this movie already whereas but in this movie it just enhances it in a way and and for me i know some people just That's hate narration no matter what but um for me it it has a place in movies if it's done right and i think it was done right here oh yeah it sets the tone and it they do a good job of the se- the sequencing of it of mm. like them what they're talking over like, yeah it's per- like perfect is the wrong word but it it's done very effectively like yeah yeah good good shots to go along with it and they kind of yeah and and good like little quippy one line is is like it's kind of how it's done like it's just like like the oh god i just hit the microphone um you know, like his marriage is marriage is buying a house someone you hate. Like it's a bunch. Like yeah. his his kind of narration is a bunch of little lines, and you know, people. But that people... tells you exactly who he is as a person yeah. right away. Mm-hmm. Like by the way, he not only says that but delivers it is exactly yeah. who as a character. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I love it. I just that was a point that I had in my notes as well. Is like I had to just make a note about the narration. And I wasn't sure if you had any strong opinions about narration yourself and it's not like i do either it's just i do notice it when it's good or bad and i have heard people on different podcasts I like occasionally it's bad. yeah i don't really know well, that's, like, well, that, that, that means you didn't notice it. Opinion on it yeah like in this i love it like i think it's perfect like i like the little like um capsules of both people and then mm-hmm. it's like we're that capsule and then but like they don't even feel separate. It's like they melted together because of the storyline. And that's what makes narration good. Is like it doesn't seem like, oh, we're going from one narrator to the next. It just seems like, oh, this movie is taking us along with it, which mm-hmm. I think should be the goal is fluidity. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I guess, before we go for the um, pause quickly in the middle here, what is your favorite scene of this movie? Because I think there's a lot of, and it might be sequence and not no scene, like it could be a 10, 15 minute sequence because mine will be. So just, you don't have to just go down to like a minute scene. Scene, scene. scene. Sorry? Can you want you me go to go ahead? Can you go first? <laughs> I can, yeah. Mine, I think that just has everything is the uh, part, the Sid Shattuck, Sid, Sid Hatrack party scene. Um, yes. That, bet- between the music. That, that party, that party is so dope. Like, yeah, oh, we all want to be there, obviously. Mm. And, like at least Gosling ha- or Marsh has fun with it, and like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I don't know. yeah, um, it has it has the music, um, you know, some Earth Wind and Fire like popping up. That? Yeah, it's just so it's so perfectly done. It's so perfectly shot. It's colorful. It's there's a lot going on. Obviously, it's a it makes you know, miss seventies, which we weren't alive for, but it makes yeah. you like the the golden the golden era of the 70s which i don't know if it, that ever existed but they definitely shot it perfectly like yeah like this goes like like babylon has party scenes like this too and great mm-hmm. gatsby and stuff all great yeah. gatsby's yes i agree with you okay that's yeah. a great scene 
that that would be my favorite sequence of the entire movie i always like whenever i'm watching it i'm always looking forward to that happening and and as much as i love the movie i just think that's like the the best most entertaining part of the movie the whole lot is entertaining to me so it's not like i'm shitting on what comes after it but i find that to be so entertaining i think ryan gosling has some uh, ryan gosling is on fire the entire movie but he has some of his best stuff in there like when he's just when he's when he's when he's just drinking (laughs) and uh you know when he's talking to the bartender he's just like how about them killer bees and he's like the bartender's just like the thing about them is that they'll kill you and he's good point <laughs> i was just like we've all had a drinking with us too. if any of the listeners want to know that's what drinking to us is to a t yeah. yeah just empty empty uh point like conversations just go around in circles but um but then his when he's just his acting when he's just like if you see her then you can uh if you see me then uh why don't you tell you about me and then yeah and he's, so good. And he's yeah. just and he's just like and he's just like his expression like i can't do the line v- yeah. v- verbatim because he's just he's perfect at it no one else could he's but a perfect fake drunk because he actually uses that later in the film too which spoiler alert but, uh yes yeah he, he does yeah um and that's a again as we keep coming back to the writing is all of these little bits of the movie that you don't realize are important are important like his little just being drunk at the party yeah it's it's just like oh, okay he's drunk at a party what purpose is this serving oh he falls down the hill and just happens to crash into the body yeah okay right. because he was drunk that's it that's his character is that all it is but then later on in the movie after his daughter like holly has chewed him out for being like just a drunk idiot and i hate yeah. you and and all I that stuff you. Yeah, he uses that in that moment, as you were talking about at the end there, to uh, to fake out um, the old guy. I think he's credited as Keith David. <laughs> um, and, like I was yeah, supposed and, to go back to Michigan, first of all, which we talked about earlier. Like, yes. He was supposed to go back to yeah. Michigan. Detroit guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, the party scene. And then um, obviously you've got like Jackson Healy's wandering around. And he's avoiding get it, grabbing a drink because he's on the wagon at this time. And uh, and like he gets oh, into it. So yeah, no, well, that was well, that no, well, that's the end I of the movie. Terrible at this podcast. Well, no, the end. You know that because at the end of the movie, he goes, "Oh, you're drinking again." So that's because he wasn't drinking the entire right. movie. I thought I, I didn't know how much time had passed. Yeah. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, he does take a sip at that party. He takes a drink and he just goes, and then he puts it. On no, no, he sniffs it, sniffs it, and puts it. He doesn't take. A oh, sip. does he not? Okay. Yeah, he oh, takes okay. a he takes a sniff. Um. Fair yeah. And he's so, drinking a bottle at the end of it. He's drinking a bottle of rum yeah and we'll get to that because there's there's a funny there's like it's kind of ironic but um but yeah the party scene so and then he has a real like that fight scene between him and the old guy again um where he he lets him go originally um that is i think it's just like the entire party sequence has some comedy some some actual real pushing forward of the story obviously finally get to meet amelia and all that stuff going forward um but it's just a yeah there's just a real it's just a really yeah a really fun scene for uh, a sequence of scenes uh, that wrap up the entire party that just has some incredibly hilarious stuff, but then also, you know, poignant stuff for the story going forward. And I, that's why it's just always the, the scene slash sequence of the movie that I enjoy the most out of a movie that I enjoy pretty well anyway. But um, yeah. And then, yeah, I got to have to question the mermaids. <laughs> I have no yeah. problem with it. <laughs> And even that bit that's shot yeah. so well is like him at the like Jackson Healy at the bar, like he's talking to the bar lady, and then he turns around and walks away, and the camera kind of pans. So it pans yeah. to the mermaids, and then suddenly there's Ryan Gosling swimming after the mermaids. It's just yeah. like, yeah, that's a good one. 
Yeah, and then obviously uh, it ends with um, I guess we can talk about it now before we go to break. Um, oh wait, you what was that your I favorite? Say my favorite scene. I thought you were agreeing <laughs> with me that that was it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I love that whole scene too, though. Like in the way that it ends, and like Healy, like killing that dude, which is like he didn't totally have to, because I'm pretty sure he was gonna die anyway. Um, mm. But again, the morality of the story is. But, um, like, but again, it shows the growth of the character later in the by the end mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Um, but I would say my favorite sequence um, is the bowling alley. So. Um, the bowling oh, alley it just yeah it just starts yeah. out perfectly with ryan gosling just completely overwhelmed he just he's dealing with a bunch of teenage girls he just had his arm broken um his comedic acting while he's in the bathroom with mm. Haley is some of the best like when he's trying to keep the door open with the gun <laughs> i got the permit to carry motherfucker <laughs> like and he with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth yeah yeah and then just I mean, starting with the quote that this whole podcast started with to through the end of it of of him and Healy having a very serious <laughs> him and ser- him and Healy having a very serious conversation and Holly coming up and just going Bramsh! and yeah. in her going, rim job rim shot <laughs> and, and it's just like and just like that whole like the whole conversation between both of them of like. It's like, all right, four hundred dollars. It's like, all right, four hundred dollars. We find early, then I get, you know, I get to keep it. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, deal. It's like that's good because I already know where she is. And it's like, boom. Like it's just like, I don't know. It's just the whole thing encapsulates like it's like a microcosm of everybody, every character of it. Yeah. You know. So yeah, you get... yeah, and that that uh, I think we started talking about it before we might have got sidetracked, but like him being like, good, I already know where she is. It's just him being really good yeah. at his job. Because he, he knows how to give information at the right. Because then, I mean, we talked about it before. Like when he gives up the information straight away to Healy, he's like, "This was the time to give it a, give it up." But then later on in the movie, twice, yeah, right. this first time being at the bowling alley with um, the yeah, I already know where she is, and then they go to the protest and all that stuff. But then right. the second time when uh, they're talking about the the flight, so to speak, at the airport at Burbank, and then you know, after Holly's chewed him out and said she hates him and all that stuff and he's going to leave on his own, he's just like, well, you know, that's not a flight. That's a that's an apartment probably because of this reason, that, and then and the and the, uh, the curfew on Burbank Airport being like 6, right, to, yeah. six to 10 and that's 10.30. Like, like, it used to be there. And it's like, yeah, man, you were right. But, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it still worked out. Uh, but yeah, it just shows that it, he actually is always actually very, very much thinking about the kind of private investigative detective stuff he has to He's just a bit of a, he's a bit of a, um, <laughs> yeah, a bit of a lush, drinks too much, but at the core of his character is someone that's actually very much doing his job, which is mm, kind of... Can't relate. <laughs> uh, <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's something that I, I love about the character and there's so much, there's so much character stuff in this movie, which is probably why we've gone a little bit over time on the first half here. I knew that we always do. But but th- this movie, I this is why I, I have I so many. My notes are really sporadic because I. Movie. That was more Brando than Trump, so I don't know where that came. From. We love this. Wait, movie. were you trying to do drama? We know we... folks. We love it. It's great. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So we'll get, we'll get into a bit more of it in the second half, and then obviously um, talk about I. I think naturally we'll talk about more character stuff as we talk about the story, the the core part of the story as well, which I think is, I find the core part of the story really interesting. Um, 
Oh, absolutely. And, that's but I, what makes it, honestly. Yeah. But I also have a point to make about, I think that's why it may not have done as well as well. Like, I think it's just some stuff oh. that it's, I think it might be too smart. And uh, I'm going to sound like a real dick to some people possibly, but I think that's part of why, you know, it's a, it's a very smart movie underneath. And, 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 and I think that might be part of it's failing at the box office somewhat, mm-hmm. but it doesn't uh, part of the reason, but part of the reason it's become a cult classic is because of that. So it's a real, it's a real, uh, real interesting issue to talk about but yes. that's the end of the first half we need to take a pause you and record oh yes yes, 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 yes 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 i just want to say that do any of you cock and balls want to make 20 dollars? <laughs> if you hear this if you listen to this and you hear this hit me up and i will venmo you or pay, one person the first person who gets to do it i will paypal or venmo you 20 dollars. andrea doesn't count there you wow. go wow Shay's literally li- literally paying for listens and I love it. I am I am absolutely Call payola. Well you didn't say I don't count, so I'm just gonna hit you up. I, you absolutely you don't count. <laughs> Damn it, I was gonna hit him up from the break. Actually, anyway, you count, but uh my fee to do the next pod, twenty dollars. So uh yeah. But so and if any of you cock and balls wanna make twenty dollars and you don't have to have cock or balls or anything, if you've heard this far, hit me up. First person, twenty bucks. Hey, there we go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked right now. Second half coming up. Second half. Jesus, what are you doing here? Giving you a rim job. What? Rim shot. Rim shot. Whatever. Hey, can we go one more game before? You're the guy who beat up my dad. Hey, no. Sucker punched your dad. Big difference. But don't worry. He just did it for money. You beat people up and charge money? Yeah. Sad, isn't it? That's really your job? Yeah. No way. Yeah. So, um, how much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? 30 bucks. Oh, 30 bucks. Apple pie. Is she a big girl? She's tall. All right. Super but annoying. Apple pie. She's always mean to me. Just eat That's good. This conversation no is over. We're just talking. And it's over. Second off. <laughs> And we're back. We are back. Alrighty, we we're feel like our Ted Lasso's come since we potted. Exactly, yeah. We used, we used to do that as a joke. And like... Yeah. And now it's become one of the biggest shows on yeah on, on in the last half a decade. Um we're and really and really and really fun. quite unique. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's it's being football fans. Soccer fans for those un, uneducated. Um alrighty. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Debatable. <laughs> Go listen to our damn United Pod. What's that? Go listen to our damn United Pod. I think yeah. we did that. We did do the damn United. That's that's a movie I haven't actually rewatched in a while, but I should do that again because I I fucking love that movie. That's a good one. But but we're talking about the nice guys on this one. Um now it it is a tough movie i think for us to talk about because we there's so much we uh, we love about the movie so we're bouncing between things but i think to get into the second half with a bit of a core idea i think is to talk about the the central storyline of the movie which it doesn't quite become clear for a while but then i re-watching it recently and really trying to take note of different little details um obviously it's uh there's a little bit of the the adult film industry in it but it's also very much centered around uh 
the Detroit auto industry and at and by definition the American auto industry at the time, which was still the biggest auto industry in America, uh, and but some controversies with their catalytic converters and and smog protections and and things of that nature regarding, you know, I guess I guess climate climate awareness and and yeah, there's. You know, early on in the film, there's the uh, I leant in really close to the microphone and heard my voice so loud just there for a second. So apologies to any audience. Welcome to my life, David. <laughs> um, the, you know, there's a smog alert stuff that happens and you can kind of see the, the smog in the in the city as well. Um, and then even at the start of the m- movie, when uh, we first see Holland March lying in the bathtub, fully dressed in his suit, watching the TV and it's all Not and, explained ever. Not explained. Yeah. And just. Oh, but that, but then you once you get to know his character, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So, but we, we're kind of listening to his narration, and he's and and listening to the phone call, the, the his daughter ringing in to remind him of her birthday, and and remind her to remind him to go to work, and essentially being the adult in the house as she is most of the movie, um, most of it. She's, but but while 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 yeah, but while this movie while this is all happening, the thing that's on the TV is an an advertisement, an interview with a guy about the. Detroit Auto Show, and they even gets questioned about oh, the controversies over catalytic, and then it kind of fades out. So at the start of the movie, we actually find out what the movie's about, but you don't really realize that until you probably rewatch it a couple of times and, re- and actually take notice of what's going on on TV, which is just, again, really smart. And even the smog alert thing on the surface, you could go, oh, that's just setting us in the time, which it does, but it also is actually very central the to the story. Prices. Yeah, the gas prices, all that stuff, and the lineup the for prices, the gas, yeah. the lineup for the gas. <laughs> um all those things that are happening that kind of just seem like we're just ground you know a lot of movies use this kind of stuff to ground you in the time and that's about it and that kind of feels like that at first but then you realize as the movie goes on and the and the and you find out what the adult film is about and why they're chasing you know because the first half of the movie is kind of like we're just in the seedy underbelly of adult film industry in the 70s in la like is this just boogie nights with detectives or what are we doing here and then you realize, and then you realize it's much larger, and it's actually kind of like, um, actually, it's actually quite positive to the adult film industry as it should be. I mean, there's a lot of bad things that happen in that, but there's also, you know, there an, is an industry that is legitimate there as well, and you know, sex positive and all that. Um, and the movie does do that; it does show you, like these people, were, you know, these people that were involved in, it were like, no, we were trying to do something. Um, you know, it's very, I guess you could say, it's very Hollywood as well, Hollywood as well, to be like, oh, this is you know, the romantic idea of doing a film like this, a lot of it is, but it does like the second half of the movie kind of once it crystallizes and you realize what it's all about. To me, I was just like, this is a really cool story. Kind of reminds me of a, uh, another movie we love the other guys where it's, you know, it's all about, you know, uh, you know, Bernie, yeah. yeah pyramid scheme made off, um, yeah. made up Bernie made off stuff. The the collapse of obviously it was made in the wake of um you know the the collapse in two thousand yeah, like, those kind of that, those kind of things and and but for me I love it and I think the reason this movie has got such a cult following I started leading into this at the end of the first half and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this I think the reason this movie is so beloved is because it is so smart and it is so uh, obviously so well written comedy all those things. But the underlying thing that we we're trying to talk about in the first half was a lot of the, the human stuff and the themes behind it. And then this story, I think, is a reason that we love it so much and the people that do love it. But I think the reason it didn't do as well at the box office was it was hard to quantify. And 
just people didn't know how to think about it. And as such, I don't think it got a lot of, it just didn't get enough buzz because, you know, we come out of it saying we liked it, but then, you know, go see it. It's got Gosling, it's got Crow, but it just, it didn't get seem to get advertised very well. And I don't know if that's because people didn't know what the, the reviewers didn't know what to think about it, what it is, but, and there is, uh, we'll get to it later on, but the audience score is interesting on this movie as well. And I think the things that make it so great are some of the things that also mean that it, didn't do as well at the box office and it's kind of like my my desert island movie is starship troopers right and we're going to do an episode of it at some point in the future but i'm going to pick the right time for that that movie didn't do as well as the box office as was, it was expected and I, didn't get i and contributed didn't. well my dad did i went and saw it live so. <laughs> um and ultimately I'm doing did, my part <laughs> stamping on bugs um Please put that if you if you have gotten to the point with um uh photoshop or um yeah all the other things please put me i could i could put i i it might take me a bit of time but i think i can figure that one out um it might be a rough it might just be a rough job with the head from this as well but anyway um no uh but you know that movie didn't do as well because it was a little bit misunderstood because people thought it was um it was a actual glorifying of fascism whereas paul verhoeven ended up having to come out and be like no i was part i was um sorry cats moving behind me uh i was i was in occupied holland i am as far removed from a fa- like i was actually trying to make a criticism of this and it's a high it's a satire and and the movie was misunderstood and it's become a cult following since i'm not saying nice guys has got any relationship to starship troopers as far as themes and stuff goes but the misunderstanding of what a movie sometimes is when a movie on the surface seems just like a buddy cop comedy but has actually you know and Sasha troopers was on the surface was just fascist and space killing bugs but actually had some criticisms of it all underneath and this movie has got a lot of storyline underneath about and it and it's prescient to this day of what we're dealing with as as you know and and what's happened since it was a commentary on what kind of the maybe the ideal idealism of america at the time and the misplaced Ide- idealistic ideal like I- the ideals i just fumbling words again but the ideals End of that the american dream yeah but it just like it was just like we had lived the american dream for 20 plus years post-war where mm-hmm. we didn't care what we were doing there's a great scene from mad men um that kind of speaks to this that's set in the mid-60s where they just go for a picnic in this beautiful state park and at mm-hmm. the end of it they all get up and leave and they just leave every like literally everything they brought (laughs) (laughs) the blanket the basket they just like the cans and they show wind like whip through it and it's just like yeah yeah. that's that's the american dream is not having any consequences to your actions Mm -hmm. and that still exists the american dream still exists it's just grosser it's even grosser than it was before because you really have to jump over some gigantic hurdles to convince yourself that you're not harming not only this planet but the people that inhabit it so yeah um i think that was definitely a point of this at like the point of the movie i think it was a point of like oh yeah maybe we like all look back at the past with rose-colored glasses but we were actually like really fucking up the planet back then too and like we're way more like conscious uh conscious of what we're doing now even back then and so it's like there's just like multiple levels of it um 
And I think that was the point of a lot of that, at least. Yeah, no, I, just... I agree. And like, I mean, there's the, uh, you know, the lines at the end um, that kind of when, you know, obviously here, like there's the big, we obviously have the big shootout and, and action scenes at the end at the, at the auto show when the movie gets shown and, and all that, and all that goes on. But then we get to the end end and it's, uh, you know, Holland March is misplaced, misunderstood in, uh, idea of Hitler is hilarious because he, he fundamentally, oh, he fundamentally understands Hitler was a bad yeah. guy, but you know, who, you know, who else is following orders? Hitler is like, no, that's not the <laughs> wink of the eye going back to Gosling. Is like, <laughs> exactly. like, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, again, just incredible physical comedy. Uh, but, just oh, but... gotten his ass whipped and just dealt with a dead body. Like, yeah, you might not like be able to like speak perfectly. And I think like that's another thing that Shane Black does so well in his movies. It's like, hey, if you were like actually like Robert Downey Jr. like pissing on a corpse in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, mm. it's like if you were to see a corpse, you wouldn't go, Oh my god, you'd be like you if you're pissing, you would like probably keep pissing and you would accidentally piss all over it. So it's like, mm. yeah, like yeah. We all know we all know it's quite difficult to stop midstream. So, so. spoiler alert for that too. I might yeah. but I, that's not that big of a spoiler for that movie. The yeah. whole movie wild. Um, yeah, I guess that's a it's a great point about like what people would do in a situation because I have there's there's one. Um, well, I'll, I'll, we'll finish off on a little bit of the, the auto industry stuff, but I find it, it, it again like at the end when they're sitting in the the I guess it's like a I assume it's like a courtroom office or a DA office or a big building or something like that where Kim basing his character the of lobby. Uh, of one. lobby. Yes, like, the lobby of one. Sorry, yeah, but they're they're sitting and. She faces the other way and sits down. Gosling, <laughs> yeah, yeah Marge is just like, don't talk to her. Don't even like, just real high no, school kind of high school stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> immediately. But Healy kind of knows, like, you know, he also understands. It's kind of where they bounce off each other. Is like they both kind of understand the moment. Their characters, in a way, understand when to and you know this is a time and maybe it's you know it's a little bit of but the, this is the end of the movie and we have to find out what the results are and it's like, you know. She has a line, I think, is something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing again because I didn't want to do a big list of quotes. Like, we're part of the we idea. We've got enough ourselves. Um, part of the idea of this podcast is that we talk about it like we're at a bar, so we're gonna we're gonna misremember lines at times. But she says, to paraphrase, and she says, "You can't beat Detroit," which is quite tragic foreshadowing for action. And obviously, Shane Black writing the script knows that in the next Detroit, ten years, in the next ten years, Detroit takes a big l and and like and again we're not making light of um labor issues and the people that lost livelihoods yeah they didn't deserve it that's 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 created this yes and just ironically ironically all those people probably ended up making money out of the changing of the industry because they were too big to fail but the the laborers in the factories in detroit are the ones that cop the brunt of it but yeah the next 10 15 years it's the japanese auto industry really makes its foothold in america and Ironically, the American dream is ending right as this movie thinks it's, you know, they think they're too big to fail. Um, well, and also, and it's, like, it's a really... Starts then, too. Yes, which is yeah. This whole, like, new age, like, view of... Well, the, the, pro- the protesters and all that stuff. like the Brett Easton Ellis bullshit, like, fucking American psycho, um, you know, all that shit that he wrote. Like, that just Gen X, like, to a T, like, bullshit, mm. like just disgusting like i mean yuppie is a one way to put it but i think there's already yuppies in this film but like yeah 
it's just but well it, it's right Re- it, reaganomics i guess takes over in the 80s and all that stuff which is which aids the aid, is good type yeah shit. which like, aids aids the aids the destruction of the detroit auto industry because you know this is the time where nike blows up because they get there all their stuff you know as much as you know where we're a nike we come from a nike school and then got got a lot of but you know that that's the, the brutal reality is that the late 70s into the 80s and then Reagan coming in and all that stuff changed America for what seemed like the better at the time for some people, oh, but... Incredibly but, worse. It, yeah. it helped the very few Americans and it created the system that we're in now. Yeah, because um, they started yeah. breaking down the controls of the, the controls of the banks that were in there, like all that stuff. Like, and, and people might be listening going, you guys are getting way away from the movie, but this is what the movie's about. No, that's a, this is a, the, a core thing about the movie is like where we were at in 1978 was at a, at a, at kind Process. of a junk, a junction in our history, which you could, you can, you know, you may be at a point to every two years or every one year at times of when we're at a crossroads, but there is always a crossroads in history and, and decision. They're in wasteland of Fury Road and we're only, <laughs> and we'll talk about that. I don't think we've done Witness that. me. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gets witnessed anymore. They get yeah, no, they just they just get drunk. Um but yeah, it's 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 an interesting like it is like there's so much of the movie that isn't that like is in the in the uh between the lines, I guess. And oh, you can yeah. take you can take what you want out of it. It's just for me as someone that as a you know, I you you're a lover of history. I was literally a history major and as a journalist yourself, you kind of like you're you're I think journalists are history people as well like it's part of journalism well, fucking hope yeah but... and, and and history majors are general like there's a there's a very good crossover there and so we both take an interest in in why the things have happened and, and when you look back on a movie like this and you take you read between the lines you go yeah this is a commentary on kind of a moment in america where things were like it's kind of it's kind of saying this is just the way it was but this is kind of, we're also talking about why the way it is now and i think that's part of the there's like I mentioned earlier, I briefly hinted at it, but the dark undertones of the movie, which I'd wonder, do you get that as well? Like, do you find that there's a dark undertone? There's a nihilistic uh, idea under all this. Like, it's it's taking a cynical approach to it and going, let's make some have some fun with this. But I I have to imagine the writers, both in Black and uh, and Anthony Baragotzi, I think it was. Um, there has to be an idea of like when we're not fucking happy with where we are this kind of sucks yeah. and we're writing yeah. a movie we're kind of having fun with this idea and just and yeah there's a little bit of nihilism to it in a deep if you deeply think about it to me well and again going back to like my earlier point which like this is a different side of it of the earlier point but that the title of this film is like there's no way shane black yeah. doesn't think like this is like hey like we're trying to tell you guys that this is fucked, but like in like finishing last, I think that's like fucking incel shit, which like whatever, you know, whatever. That's yeah. also that's also played like whatever. You know, we just live in this fucking hellscape of all these words. <laughs> but I think like the name does like tie that in sorry i was trying to wait out the train <laughs> i was trying to like perfectly time i can't uh, i can't just to let you know i can't i hear a little beep and that's about it so i'm not hearing okay, too cool. much of the train okay cool so i did yeah, okay i didn't know if you couldn't hear me or not and that's thanks to the mic because yeah, yeah. like when i do like work zooms it'll like completely cut out but um 
Yeah, I think that like also completely has to do with the title of Nice Guys. Is like, mm-hmm. hey, like we're trying to tell you guys that this is fucked up, and what mm-hmm. we're doing, and what people have been doing. Like they literally like that shit that's in the movie is real. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you saw like, was it Volkswagen in Germany? Like what five, ten years ago, got into massive, massive trouble for like. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like the control, like it was a similar kind of idea. Like the, it wasn't, I don't know if it was catalytic converters or just the readings of. Books. Wag it, dude. Have you ever seen SLC Punk? No. Oh my God. We're doing. Oh, there we go. Add that one to the list. Oh my God, dude. We're doing that so hard. This is me grabbing my iPad and bake writing a note. (laughs) I will remind you because it is not a great film, but. That's a deep cut one, maybe for the future Patreon. If you Matthew, really want to listen to this. Matthew Lillard in his all-time best is Steve-O. Bro, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a stab shirt, which is, oh, God, I'm grabbing the wrong side because of fucking the mirroring thing. Anyway, yeah, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. I backwards earlier. I know that it's, yeah. Matthew Lillard, obviously, stab, scream. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I love also, that guy. Steve-O in SLC Punk, his best role of all time. We will do that movie and not for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, because it's important to me, and I never got a, I never ever got a movie pod because we did Goon, but um, no, you, you know, you, you, we'll, we'll redeem that because I feel still feel bad about that. But um, but there's a scene in he's Volkswagen, and he's a dude. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's just yeah, it's yeah, it's just yeah, 80s punk bullshit, and it came out in the 90s. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I like but, it a lot. No, I, mean, I, I I barely know the name, so I, I feel like I've heard it, but um, yeah. But anyway, back to the nice girls. But yeah, you, you're right. There's so much about what happens in this movie and, and the kind of way, I mean, it is very much a big business versus a small person kind of movie that the other guys is that you can even go as big as like the big short and all those kind of movies. Like there's an idea that we are being screwed over by people and, and even, you know, Kim basing his character is kind of like yeah there's, you know i there's a little like there's no tip of the iceberg yeah she kind of gets it yeah she's tip of the iceberg she kind of gets away i with might it. go to jail but like this shit is rolling downhill yeah like, <laughs> this is not yeah there's no like and also kind of like kim basing but is capitalism run, run amok which is yeah. what we're currently dealing with yeah, and the fact that she'll kill her own daughter for the for what she what she said she didn't want to do but do we believe her i don't know i don't Okay. Well, no, she doesn't want to, but the fact that she even will do it and consider it means that she believes she's, yeah. There is a couple of characters, that I, again, this Nice Guys movie idea and the and the characters, none of them are purely good. But Nobody's there's, purely good in the world. Like, yeah, but there is, but there is, there is, there is pure evil, I think, is where I'm getting to. This is, this is like a thought idea. Well, All right, okay, we two, two characters. So this is a different podcast. No, no, John, no, but sticking to nice guys, John Boy. Yeah, his character. I he, he's he's. Is there anything redeeming? Oh, ironically, the fact that um, Holly can convince Jackson Healy to let him live and probably, I assume. What does that have to do with his no, no, but I'm no. I'm saying that like, like John Boy is the character that's probably the most purely evil in this movie because he sadistically says you know is it jessica uh yeah 
Jessica. Yeah, Jessica, Jenna, Jenna, the, the friend that's staying at the house. Like who's the, completely like, obliv- yeah, that's the little girl i just threw through the window yeah who's completely and he's obliv- grabbing like an uzi and yeah and she's completely obliv- it's so funny that just showing the maturity and i think holly's character just for a slight moment kind of shows just how much of a trauma uh you know the death of and again the underlying things that you really don't have to think about unless you want to think about it but the the trauma that gosling's holland march went through previous to the story of this movie and his wife dying and him being somewhat at fault for it and holly having to grow up quick there's some reviews of this movie that don't understand the holly character by the way because they just go she's annoying she keeps interjecting herself she's only 13 she shouldn't know this stuff you're not understanding the story of the movie because she has had to grow up so much quicker than most people have had because she's essentially mothering herself because he can't do it because of the trauma that he's going through but anyway, back to the John Boy he thing. The mother himself, like yeah. he needs like somebody to take care. Like every man, like need, they say that's why men get married is because like they need a mother to take care of. That's a whole different subject for a different movie. We can watch Marriage Story sometime, and I'd rather not. But I will say, <laughs> um, that like she is an only child, and this is one place where I feel like I can interject myself into it. Is like being an only child. No, like, you can. More... Yeah. You're more comfortable around adults. You're not comfortable around other kids when you're younger. You want to be an adult because that's who you're surrounded by. You're mm-hmm. surrounded by adults all the time. Like for me, like if I wasn't by myself, I was surrounded by other adults. Mm-hmm. Just like Holly in this movie, other than her friends. You know, like of course you have friends. Like it's not like it's not no, it's all a- or nothing. Yeah. But like the big part of your day like she wakes up in the morning she's dealing with her dad eating breakfast mm. they're just eating breakfast. he's probably he's in the bathtub yeah i was gonna say if he's if, if he's not eating breakfast he's probably like in a bathtub so i looked out with my parents because they weren't doing that but mm. in the morning i'm dealing with an adult mm. you know right away i have no siblings around there's no other kids so i'm doing adult things i'm in their world i'm in mm-hmm. the adult so Holly is an only child and she only has a single dad. Like that's what she knows. She knows she wants to be an adult because that's what she knows. That's mm-hmm. what she's around. And of course she has friends. We all have friends when we're kids. Yeah. But- I mean, she even tags along to the party, even though she has a place to go, she wants yeah. to go. And then she is the most, like she's the one at the party that goes rolling back to that. I'll get back to my original point about um, John boy in a second, but yeah, Holly goes to the party and, finds out the information they need to and then meets Amelia and knows and and saves her at the time almost gets killed you know, yeah. yeah but she but she she navigates through every situation like she has a little bit of like childhood like naive naivety like she goes oh yes oh is that there's these two guys like she she you can tell she's trying her like she's in the limo yeah yeah her, yeah like what leads her to the limo is bad because but, like... but even just sitting there watching the actress in the porn movie like she was kind of like supporting her in a way and like and she was just and but she was trying to find that information as well but she was she was being empathetic to the characters at, at all points in the movie which is quite interesting in a way to get through she was never trying to kill people to get she was trying to find out the information but it was also trying to not hurt anyone the whole way through which is a different another moral complex the movie has different moralities all the way through right. but it's always yeah. the, the people that survive are usually the ones that are trying to just do right by people because I mean to segue to Amelia for a second. So one point of the movie that I'm just like, I just don't understand the character. Right, 
I love this. I haven't even thought about this. So I don't just, understand. We don't talk before the pod. We talk about other movies before we pod. So no, like, no, but but no, but we, I I deliberately didn't talk to you about a lot of stuff because I wanted to. If there was things that like if we agree like we did on certain things, we've just come to naturally. But if there's something I throw at you that you haven't thought about, then it makes for an interesting discussion. Um, I find, and this is getting back to John Boy as well. Uh, just to finish off on the you know, Holly being so mature for her age compared to a friend who's just on the phone chatting away. And, you know, Holly's just like, oh, I'm going to grab a cookie. And her friend's just like, oh, there's no cookies left. Like, just fuck. And you can just, shut the you, you can just up. hear like, you just know Holly's brain is just going, shut the fuck up, Jessica. I'm trying to yeah. fucking deal with this shit. And like and Jessica just keeps hard R and Jessica too, which is hilarious and yeah. <laughs> which is amazing writing as well. But Jessica just keeps just, they just, just like, just blabbing because she has no yeah. fucking idea because she hasn't lived with adults and that to your point uh was an and, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up about your experience with it because it is not something i because i grew up with my fucking idiot so siblings many, so many that kids. i love so much but they were fucking idiots when they're kids just like me um but so you it is interesting like fucking just live in that kid's world yeah i get to i get to just protect my legos from my dickhead brother matt who hopefully will listen to this love you matt but I, prote- I protect a lot of those are mine by the way actually no his collection has grown but he, he started i was gonna with- say no they're not no and he's he started with mine and i still and all all of the uh all of the western stuff that he has which is pretty much all of the guns i still mine so if um, he's the one who hears the uh cock and balls and i if he listens to this i don't i'm sorry for the language but if he hears this, I would love to give it uh, to him because oh, it would go towards a Lego set. Yeah. So. There we go. Ryan. I don't know if Ryan... Ryan, just tell mum to get Shay's money. <laughs> That's fine. Um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, but back no, to what the... what was your point? I, we um, so, so John Boy is quite this. There is certain characters in this movie that are, are unredeemingly evil. And John Boy's probably the one just a step above, like, because he's sadistically purely evil. Like, Kim Basing is like kind of, I keep forgetting her name. So it's Cutler, I think. Some of the, something, because I think it's Amelia Cutler or Cutler. Um, I know Amelia's first name, and I can't remember the. In the entire film. Yeah. It's like, that's where I But she's say, calculatingly, like, she's calculatingly evil. Like, she, she's, yeah. she's willing to sacrifice her daughter, which is pure, which is quite evil, but she's, She's not to the level of like, because John Boy was going to kill both the kids, but it was like, Jessica, if you help me with this, as he's just lavishing out his, like, his cut, like, kind of like, kind of like a I Michael. I also Ma- don't believe that he felt that way either. He was going to kill both of them. Or oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But he's, he's like Michael Madsen in um, Reservoir Dogs, basically. Yeah, like, he was yeah, going to yeah. enjoy, he was going to enjoy this. Um, And uh, so Great his. Pass, by the way, so, in that role. I don't know the actor, but it was great. Matt, Matt Bomer. He's, he's, yeah. I think he I'm trying to think what TV show he's he's been in a, he's been in a bit and he's he's quite good. Um but then to get to Amelia, I find I find her death scene frustrating. It's probably the one major uh scruple I have with the movie is like but then to your point about um I should have put my computer on do not disturb. Uh, I hope That's that I hope that didn't. Oh, okay, it's probably just coming through my headphones. It'll be it's it's not too loud um it was just a little ding from a text message coming through advertising for a for a horror t-shirt so i'm on brand um pre-advertising yeah, yeah. Uh, uh so so her death scene I would like and, but no but to your point about uh 
because you said just before something about like characters not making you know when we think about things from an ab like an abstract objective point of view we go we wouldn't do that in that situation and you, you sort of talked about robert downey jr being on the corpse and kiss kiss bang bang um so i i'm bringing that up before i talk about it because i'm understand like i just find amelia had spent so much time so margaret quayley's character who margaret quayley was great in this first thing i saw her in and then she just is fantastic in once upon a time in hollywood and that is since done another movie that i haven't seen yet i'm forgetting the name it second realization that that's the same person oh okay there we go um so i am so stupid (laughs) why am i like this like why does my brain not work um so she oh wait but her character yeah it's it it's the it's the bear um so shout out barbie teats and soda um More so, of an Alan. but I her character. Yeah. yeah. Go, sorry to interrupt again. Um. So her character, like, after all this time running, she just jumped. She just left a very violent scene where she might have seen the car. I'm not sure, but who knows? But she jumps out in front of the first car that goes past and says, "I need help." And I would have thought, if you had a close by to that scene, you would have just hid because she was safe. And then she jumps out and gets shot in the face by the guy that's hunting her and like and yeah, but again well, i'm I, again i'm saying i would have like i'm understanding of the fact that we're not in the moment she was panicked and she was tired she was trying to sleep at the house she she's so broke, she, she strung <laughs> out so i get like but to me it was probably the one moment of the movie that i was just like i'm not exactly sure like i think she had to die for the like her character had to die for the the, the fact that they tried it's to shocking yeah, and, well, and and before it gets to the automaker scene at the end, and the auto show, they have to, they kind of do try to pin it on her mom, and she gets away with it at that point, and so that is a bit of the story of why they and they and the uh, the March's detective buddies t- tells them to get off the case. Yeah, you just at like, that point. So that's kind a... that's kind of the that's kind of the spark moment for them to get. You know, it's part of detective movie stuff. Is like you guys just need to stay away from this. And it's it, that's kind of the instigation for it is her death and all that stuff that happens at the house. So I get that. And I, I, I believe it needed to happen. But my thing when I was rewriting it in my mind was like, she could have just been walking down like the street and then he just sees her and then like I heard jumping out and being like, save me first car that comes past after a shootout at a house close by to me is my one major scruple with the movie. And that's not me critic like overall like I've got yeah. I've given it four and a half out of five on IMD like on DB letterbox. Like I'm I love this movie so much and I will defend it to the death. It I is a minor say. scruple. And I actually and as I said, I actually there's do a def- lot of scruples. I do defend it in my well, I, there's some scruples that a lot of other people have that I will again I see, but I disagree with. This my was first one, one was like Russell Crowe, like just living above a bar and then they're just being a shootout and nobody like well i assume the comedian downstairs i assume the comedian downstairs was killing it and uh at the Uh, comedy store about about corn and yeah yeah, exactly Um, he he warmed the crowd up after that and they were laughing so much that they didn't hear the gunshots 
It's exactly. also Los Angeles. So private yeah. residence, going Gunshot. back to Big Lebowski, which it every single movie to me goes back to. But hey, this is a there's, all, there's a lot of bangs in Los Angeles, so you just gotta you get you kind of <laughs> exactly. get used to it a little bit. No, I agree. Like it shocks me every time I watch it because I don't watch it every day. That I'm mm-hmm. just like I think that Amelia is there for like when they like storm the yeah. Hotel. You, you you just have this idea that she's gonna survive, right? Every time you watch and it. You, like her death is so like matter of fact and that's what i actually like about it is like i, I actually i, I actually do like, i do like, like the way they do it it's just like the execution of like i just didn't like the fact that you jumped out to try to get saved by the first car after a very violent situation close by i just thought that was yeah yeah i mean but so i also i also like, do the hard shit the entire house like was about to collapse on itself with how many mm. bullets he put into it so she might have thought like hey i will is- also say i actually goes down a hill too so it's like she doesn't maybe think a car i i mean like that wasn't that many problem. bullets by the way that like that palm tree going down is also slightly in effect like he didn't know, he had a fucking whatever that gun's called i'm not a gun guy but like it was like, like- to me, I mean, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a major gun, but like, you know how many rounds of a high caliber weapon it takes to take down a tree? No, I don't, and I never want to know. No, but I and I don't know for sure, but like my my middling understanding of weaponry because I had did have a gun license for a while and. I've, well, Holly yeah. said she didn't trust the tree. Okay, David. So. Well, no, that, that is yeah, it's they, a fake they, tree. No, no, that is that is to, to just just bounce like just to push back on your point about the house. The house was going to be fine. A lot of bullets can go into a house, particularly from that caliber of weaponry. Where you need to start talking about, like, are we talking about the sound of freedom? What are we do? What are we doing? At this point? <laughs> like, no, I'm just talking? saying, like, I'm just saying, like, like that was you, you, you made me remember another scruple I had watching. I was just like, a tree doesn't go down with that many bullets because they, they, they weren't focused on the tree for that much. Machine gun the piss out of it. Like, you're gonna tell me that didn't happen in Vietnam? Like, they could machine gun down trees. They did that shit. Yeah, but there was like, you know. High, yeah, big. 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 people shooting at a tree rather than just one. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, I don't know. we got But this is this is good though. We 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 came up with some some disagreeing scruples of the movie. And that's really the only point of the movie that but to, that did to, not take me out of it by any means. It didn't actually no the tree didn't there was only wall, a, not like the wall that they're behind and he's like firing like a machine gun into it. I'm like, how are bullets not going through that wall? Yeah. But, that's I mean, that's that, a that, that's know. an action that's an action movie thing that is somewhat of a I think they're kind of having some fun with in this movie as well as like the fact that Holland March can fall down hills and ju- like and well, even, he also says it it yeah the, like, yeah I think, I, I think yeah yeah it was it was very much his uh, Samuel L. Jackson um uh yeah. moment of clarity kind of like from Bob Fiction yeah, like, exactly, yeah. yeah except he wasn't quitting he was just going to keep going because he knew he was invincible um like even him landing at like i forgot the splat when he lands in the pool and there's just a literal splat too like there are some good interjections of uh severe violence in this movie that make it that bring you back to a grounding of like this movie is about a serious thing which is they they balance it quite well i think like this is like the if somebody wanted me to define a dark comedy i would say this yeah yeah absolutely and that's yeah it is very like, i would also say like and i think know, it's very very under uh, under like, like yeah. on first viewing it doesn't seem so dark but as we've talked about like the more you watch it the more you get the undertones realize Break it down. 
and break it down like it, it is there is a lot of dark stuff to it there is a lot of serious thought and like i said uh somewhat uh negative and nihilistic thought behind it as far as the future of the world and the birds are dying and the protesters and the, you know all those things and the yuppies had a point and yeah they didn't but the yuppies sold out too so yeah but it, I'm it's gonna sell out too and i'll die i'll die on the cellar <laughs> yeah i think i can't remember where i we got we got so sidetracked there but um yeah what was your original point well, I was I was just talking about um because we talked about characters and stuff, but I was I was just talking about the uh, the uh, about the eat. I I did, but I I started off talking about the evils of um of the characters of like John Boy and and Kim Basinger's character as well. Yeah, just that that, that yeah, but they I think because you were saying there's no you know no truly good, no truly, but I was just like I think those ones are as close to pure. If you're not saying there's anyone pure evil, they're they're right on the edge because. John well, Boy like, John Boy was going to carve up a couple of kids preteens with with chaotic evil with with, like, pu- with pure joy. So I don't know like the D&D thing but apparently like everybody does D&D on like shows and movies and I don't know like the full nine square thing but like there's I know there's a chaotic neutral which is what I am as a human being I think. <laughs> <laughs> but like I think John Boy would be a chaotic the bottom one that's like mm-hmm. what is aggress- aggressor and then I, like, I i don't know it either i uh fuck yeah. we suck at this we're so bad at this well it's and not I, it's not it's not a D podcast so that's that's no not it. at all but it's yeah. like also people use that for shows and movies and stuff it's like the chaotic good and the chaotic neutral and the chaotic and then there's like the neutral neutral and there's like the fucking whatever yeah i think there's levels to evil and then no one is worse than the other they're actually like horizontal on it, but there's a chaotic evil, which is John Boy, like that guy. Mm. Will, and but there's like a calculating, and that's not the word for it. And if anybody who listens to this podcast is into D and D, they're gonna fucking drag me. But <laughs> there's a good evil and a bad evil, which mm. does, which is sounds like again, this is all bullshit. Everything we do is bullshit. <laughs> so it's like i don't know well but it's probably the point being that you you can't actually put it you can't truly box it really i think is yeah. actually what it comes down to evil, but they're both effectively terrible like mm-hmm. they're both bad at the same level but they're different le- levels yeah if that makes sense. i know this sounds insane but like what i'm saying makes sense and this is why this podcast exists because this is exactly what i'd be saying at the the bar yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I'd be like, hey, look, yeah, she is just as evil as he is, but they just go about it in way different ways. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it's I like absolutely agree. Wait, what? Yeah. Actually, said... no. Can you uh, delete what I just said? Actually, yeah. Make a note of it. Deep in the no, no, that, no, that was good. That's, that's getting published. I'm gonna... <laughs> this podcast is going to lead to the end of my career. You didn't say anything wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide. Uh, I just was very aware of my own accent all of a sudden. And just the first thing I thought of was Nate going, Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide. Yeah. It's lazier than you said. <laughs> it's like your time Iron- is late. Ironically, really. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. no. 
That makes sense. And what I just said makes sense. And if I get fired for it, somebody will scoop me. I'm talented. so. Well, and if, if this podcast gets that widely listened, then we're going to be fine. Hey, today, hey, so. He's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. <laughs> well, you didn't say large, so that's a, that's a plus. Um, <laughs> Sorry. All right. We can start. We'll start getting towards the end here. Uh, so one of our segments we used to have that i remembered uh was that we had rotten tomatoes uh, which which um we uh, i've got more than but we just call it we just rotten tomatoes it's kind of that's kind of the first metric a lot of people go to but i've got a few other scores here sometimes we and we give our own score as well we kind of give our own percentage and say if we'd be up or below on the rotten tomatoes as well as just talk about it but this one's a really interesting one as far as the tomatoes can't wait. Um, um, Can't wait to hear this. And the INDB versus some of the audience scores. So Rotten Tomatoes has a 91%, which I think is really impressive for a movie of this type. Uh, seven, uh, IMDB has a 7.4 out of 10, which IMDB is pretty, like, to by comparison... No, but the by comparison, The Godfather only has a 9.2. So when you... If you're getting above 7, you're actually doing pretty well as a movie, I think, on IMDB. Is that if the that top may- one on IMDB? Nine. Godfather 9.2. No, no, I think there's one above that, possibly, but oh, um, you don't have to look but it yeah. Anyway, so that's the two. So we've got Rotten Tomatoes, which the 91% is the review score. Now the audience score on tomatoes is 79%. The Google audience score is 77%. Letterbox it has a 3.8 out of 5. So what I'm seeing here is a discrepancy between the reviewers and audience which to round out back to the starting point and a point that's been a threat of the podcast is the misunderstand understood nature of this movie for the audience. Cause you know, the tomato score of 91% comes from, I guess, putting quotation professional reviewers. There's some people that are loosely involved in that, but well, we, the, brought up the, we brought up scruples. Yeah. The core of it is people that are reviewing movies as a profession and the audience sometimes. And there's, so this is what's interesting what is all, so often, a- Often what you'll find on Rotten Tomatoes is if you have a horror movie come out, it'll get like a 60% from reviewers. The audience would be like an 85. So it's like the audience loves it much more because the audience, because the reviewers are not the core audience of a horror movie. A horror movie, that's just the, there's some horror movies that are classics, obviously, Exorcist. Um, one that's coming out soon, Talk to Me. Shining. Um, Shining. Well, even Shining was uh, misunderstood at the time as well. Um there's a lot of horror movies that uh, the core audience, you have a reviewer that loves a reviewer like you per se, that is not going to get sent to watch Wolf Creek, but doesn't enjoy it. And they have to review it still. Well, but no then, one enjoys Wolf Creek except you. And... No, a lot, a lot of people do. It's a classic. And that's what I'm saying. And I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not, disag- like, I'm not disagreeing. Like no, no, let me make my Los point. Los Angeles than Australia. But... My point being is that like, this movie has an inverse of the horror movie phenomenon in a, in a sense that there's 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 a less there's reviewers yeah, that generally got it and there's the, and the audience which isn't anything to do with the horror audience by the way there's just a lot of people that there's a lot less people that enjoyed this than I I was expecting the Google to be in the mid 80s is my point at least even though I knew that it didn't do well I'm surprised to see that the audience score is below 80 and I'm I'm interested to see where what you because I know what we used to do is we'd give our own percentage just as, as an arbitrary, it would just be like throw it out there. So I'm wondering where you're at on considering Rotten Tomatoes. Is so this might be the highest one I've ever given. Ooh. I'm gonna say 96 percent. 
Oh, Jesus. He's got this in Godfather territory. 6%. I would recommend this to every single person, regardless of who they are. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing film, first of all. Like, regardless of who you are. I only know pretty cool people. No, <laughs> uh, I know a lot of it. Whatever. This got away from me real quick. But no, but your point being that you're actually quite high on it, which is um if, I'm I almost mean, with you. I was gonna throw out 90 oh. films of all time. And again, like I don't think like I would have a well God. again, like I live in my bubble, so it's hard. Mm-hmm. But it's like I would have a hard time finding somebody who dislikes this film in my in my circle. Like yeah. it's an amazing film. Like it's funny, it has a, a message which hopefully we've everything that is good about it hopefully we have just talked about over mm. the last couple hours like it's an amazing film and it's so misunderstood and like yeah so 96 i'm that might be the i bet that's the highest i've ever given i think it is because you, you you often can be a lot harder and i don't mean that in a negative way i think you're you're quite good at um, being critical of films that you quite enjoy so no that's that just shows well, how much again, I, picked, I picked this a while yeah. ago. i was like can we do this <laughs> yeah no but you're uh you're um you know you you're quite astute viewer of film so it just shows how much you enjoy this i think i love um, it yeah i love that i was gonna i was gonna go to 94 and i thought i was high but you know you're... that's high for you dude that's high for you no i i just think it's such a i think it's such a there's so many things that go into it. It's the way it's written, the way it's acted. Um, again, to best performances of not, all time. Not to put a like a too fine a point, but just Gosling is, I think, despite and and I don't want to get into Barbie too much again here because we almost got sidetracked on that early. Oh, we're, but we're, yeah, if we get but, into it, it will no, do another. We'll 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 do Barbie on another podcast, but or we'll just like gloss over. But it I will we'll... say that I think. Everyone that's going, everyone is raving about Gosling and Barbie right now. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen, well, if you've seen it, got to this far, you've seen this movie, so that doesn't matter. But <laughs> my point yeah. being, Gosling is better if you've in gotten this. Gotten this far, Gosling, I owe you twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, Gosling is better in the, Gosling is better comedically in this than he is in Barbie. That's how good the performance is because it is. It this takes because in in Barbie he gets to go all the way to a to a to a superficial like. In this, he has to be both human and funny, and it's just like he balances it so well, and it makes it so much more powerful in that sense. So I think he does what he made. I made one of the noises he made, but he made so many noises throughout it. Like there's two so points, funny. and I wanted to bring it up, so I'll bring it up now. When they're in the elevator and the guy falls down off the building, and they're just both standing there, and he's just like, and he's barely moving, but his his eyes start quivering and his head head starts quivering. You know ever, how hard that is to do? Like, ever so slightly. Yeah, you were trying it just then and you just looked like I needed to call an ambulance. Like <laughs> <laughs> but he's just but quivering. also I I watched that scene twice last night because um like he steals it, obviously, because it's hilarious. But I look I went back and watched Russell Crowe in that scene too, and he looks a different type of terrified, like a more stoic version of terrified. And he's just like that is Fucking um, 96%. Mm-hmm. 96%. Yeah. I'll bump up mine up to 95. I'll bump um, mine up to 95 just for thinking about that scene. I won't get to 96, film. but I'll bump up to 95. And I um, want, like, I know the this other... is the first film back. Yeah. But, like, and I give harsher, I give much harsher. Oh, you do. Harsher. That's why I was so surprised you were at 96. I love this film. Yeah. I love this film. Like, I think, 
I I don't know. It's kiss kiss bang bang up five notches. Yeah, and kiss kiss it's bang an bang was film itself. kiss kiss bang bang at the time was an underrated and it's still intensely underrated. Probably completely yeah, misunderstood. Just yeah. like yeah. I just want the listener to know if you're listening this far and just heard that train that I just signed another year lease today. So I would no, I didn't even hear the train. Did the train just go past just a second ago, or I didn't hear it. Thank God. Your, is, your microphone God is, is your blue, microphone is really di- directionally picking up things well. Blue brand microphone. That microphone that survived when us through college. Next to a train station that makes you want to sidgetic yourself. <laughs> You got a blue. <laughs> I'm going to send that clip to the company and see if they want to use it in their advertising. They're going to be like, um, please get that man some help. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, you tell the trains to stop. How about starting, that? Starting with money, because that'll probably be like... <laughs> Moving him, him away from the train to start with. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't hear it. Um, That's good. What though. was I, what was I going to say? Uh, you were talking... Oh, the other, the other sound that he makes... I love, and this is to round out like a million in this. There's, movie. There's, yeah, there's like when he's when he sees the body and he's in there. Yeah, <laughs> my cat just jumped when I saw This that. is for the only like <laughs> visual. Uh, yeah, people, but yeah, yeah. And the, the it's yeah. and it's a direct it's a direct inspiration off of like a Costello as well, which is just right, yeah. and he just does it so and so I love that he and does then, it perfectly. But to, the wrap-up thing I love is, like, at the start of the movie, he wakes up to that message on his hand that says, you'll never be happy, which is written by Holly, um, we believe. And then Me. I assume, yeah. Um, but maybe maybe, maybe he needed to see it. But then at the end of the movie, when he, like, wait, like, when he's saved the, and he wait, like, he's rolling up and he's got the, he's crashed and got the film under his arm and he looks at it and the, you'll the, the cops. Yeah. And the never, the never smushed out. So it just says you'll be happy. And he just does this. Like, oh, some say, I can't even do it. But it's just like, he just does this like shocked exp- like expulsion of air. Like, it's just the best way to describe it. And he's just looking at it. And then he gets up and does the like, can't hardly wait, like fucking yeah. boombox over the over the head yeah. with the, with the and, and Holly gives him the smile and. And like they've both had like in that moment they've like you know she she stopped him from killing a guy when she couldn't do that earlier so that's right gro- growth for Healy and then and then they've he's he's made his he, he's he's uh he's lived up to the pinky promise in saving the film so there's 96%, so much six percent dude yeah. this film is amazing it's incredible it's an incredible film I yeah. cannot recommend it enough mm-hmm. of everything we've watched on this. Like we've done Tarantino films, I think we've done Scorsese, maybe not. No, we haven't done Scorsese yet. We've done. We've done Wes Anderson, who is my favorite director, which everybody. We've done Wes Anderson. We've done Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, Most rewatchable film, maybe ever. Yeah, I I and I would. uh, I would say probably the only one that I have a. Uh, well, rewatchable films is like something that I I have a yeah, complete, I, just, I have yeah, a completely I, different take on because I'm a horror fan. So I have, but I would say that I it, it is one in this genre of buddy. There is no other buddy cop, and buddy cop movie is being a little bit um, 
not mean to the movie, enemies. but it, they start as enemies, which is yeah. a lot of buddy cop movies. Yeah, too, no, that is that is the mo. They but take Turner and Hooch, one's a I, fucking dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, there's no like I lethal weapon movies are classics, and I would watch this movie over any of them a hundred times. So I think that's the level that I'm at with it, but. It's also funny that it seems like it's misunderstood that there's not as many people like, you know, when you look at those audience scores. But again, I think that that I think that is the thing that makes this movie what it will be when it lives on in the uh, coming generations in the, you know, the filmography, the people that love this. The reason this movie has become somewhat of a cult movie a little bit over the last few years after, it, you know, it's funny to talk about a cult movie after it's just, you know, it's only seven years old, which seems relatively young, but that's the thing is streaming. I, I read an article earlier that said that it actually got into the top 10 of Netflix one random day, like in their algorithm, because just, and that just shows how many people are rewatching it because it wasn't like it was, had been released. It was just, I think it was probably word of mouth. People being like, Oh, this movie's on Netflix right now. Watch it. Like it's fun. And, and a lot of people were watching it. So it's not like, there's a lot of things that are on Netflix top 10, any, any given day, uh, new releases. Dog things shit. That, yeah, I think like yeah, it's well. No, it's, it'll be things like because it's TV shows, documentaries, whatever. It's it's an algorithm of all sorts. So it'll be Stranger Things and a bunch of things that we do like as well. I'm not shit on that, but for a movie that was just randomly on Netflix to break into that top ten, just shows that it actually has a cult hero status, a cult film status, cult hero as well. Two cult heroes, three. Holy, oh, can't Holly is a cult hero. She's great. Um, like yeah, the, the the movie. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's a good thing to finish off on. Uh, as you it, you helped me segue into that, I I think the reason it doesn't have a sequel so far is because of as we talked about the audience scores didn't do well at the box office. It was misunderstood. People weren't a, people weren't able to compartmentalize it immediately because I think it's the kind of film that, as you and I have discovered, rewatchability has helped us appreciate it more. And I think that's the problem with the box office too is people that probably reviewed it maybe warmly at the time and already appreciated at the time probably went back later on and went geez this is even better than i thought it was at the time and so it's a movie that's grown and and grown legs since which is like lebowski but like way like well, it, i love lebowski but but, like, it, but in this era it's actually quite hard to become a cult movie because cult movies in the past were like vhs sales and, and they had a way to quantify it uh, the fact that it, you know netflix algorithm actually gave people a way to see how much it was received and and just word of mouth, it's got an old school rewatchability to it. And uh, I don't, this is me being negative, but I unfortunately don't think a, net, a sequel will ever come because of that. But I, I do, so. I, I, I also have a, there is a maybe 5% of hope that people maybe, uh, and it's a bad time for the industry at the moment anyway. We talked about it in the last podcast. So go back and bad, listen to the last one. Yeah, bad time to talk about that at the moment. But, if the right people are just uh, keyed into the right things, which certainly I don't think this podcast will get into that discussion yet. Like in the future, we're going to be big. That's fine. Manifesting. But um, we're already big. Yeah. But I think there's, a, there's enough groundswell of people that love this movie that there is an idea out there that this movie would. But it's kind of like. Well, looking, just left it so open. Ironically, looking at it's funny because then you look at Blade Runner. And then, because Blade Runner was misunderstood and a bit of a flop at the time, but it became a cult sci-fi movie and is regarded as one of the classics of 
sci-fi sci-fi and noir cinema and just cinema in general it's One a, of those a few times where i really understood the audience no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but then blade runner 2049 came out and was equally incredible and well received but still didn't do well at the box office because there's quite again i don't want to sound like a dick but it, these movies are smarter movies they're not going to capture some yeah blade runner yeah 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 you're talking about human existence and they're ba- it's based on a philip k dick novel like we're talking about like um, yeah. i understand but but no so this is this is my thing is like you can say a movie's a cult like blade runner was a movie that built up momentum in the vhs world and 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 word of mouth and all those things in the years post that and they finally got a sequel made and it's still the sequel was quite well received critically everything still didn't make as much money as they probably hoped it roger deakins finally won his first oscar for cinematography because of later on in 2049 like it's an oscar winning film for cinematography which is a major part of uh, and cinematography yeah, should be i love cinematography. cinematography should be elevated to in the in the um realm of director and all that stuff because it's just as important often the director is lifted to by you. The... Hmm? <laughs> to you well, is that yeah, important? yes, yeah, yeah. I'm literally looking. I'm literally looking at Roger Deakins' byways. For what I'm saying book. is, like, if you that ask is... me, I think I think fucking script should be up there. Oh like, yeah, I'm... no, I agree. I agree, and I guess I guess you and I are two people that actually sit there and watch the Oscars and get just as excited for, uh, uh you know, score and 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 script and when Tarantino visual like, visual effects. So set... to say, but like when Tarantino set... didn't one win for Once Upon a Time. It's like fuck, man. That's sound, like, sound, sound editing. They're like all these things are things that we appreciate. So we, yeah, I'm, I'm having a discussion with someone that equally because the sound of a movie, like you know. Well, I don't like movies where sound is like that important. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but even in a movie like sound editing, I, I love like, cinematography. Like Wes Anderson's my fucking favorite director, and mm. I feel like, like if it was up to me, every movie he put out would win best cinematography because it's fucking. And now there's like a fucking app where you can do that shit, and like yeah. of course. My my cynical ass was about to go. I'm leaning back and realized I was echoing from the microphone. I was going to be like, anyone can do that because there's an app for it. And then you said there's an app for it. Yeah, but you still. I am being, I am legitimately being a dick because I love Wes Anderson movies too. So I was just being a dick. Because the thing with Wes Anderson movies is he has the cinematography, he has the vision for it, and there's. No one else can do that. There's, there's a the reason there's a Wes Anderson filter and and an app and stuff is because he has a thing that he does perfectly, and that's that's part of the art of Hollywood and and cinema in general. Hollywood, and Bollywood, like Brit- British film, European film, film, whatever it, whatever it is. All right, we root. gotta we gotta wrap this up. Yeah, We're anyway. talking about a billion different things right now. Anyway, we but love we love film is the point, and um, like yeah. I like Wes Anderson a lot, and the fact that there's a filter for it is fucking bullshit. Yes, I get that. Like people can. I was like, deliberately being a dick, and I feel bad about it. Already, I'm not saying. He... I'm saying. I'm talking about the app at this point. I'm saying like, yeah, I could like take books that I have and design them on my floor and take a picture of it and just be like, and like take a picture of me standing, you know, sixty feet from the camera, yeah. off to the right, a perfect like middle third. But like just, I couldn't. Oh, I'm, stra- I'm straight down at your side. Yeah, but I couldn't fucking do the color scheme. I couldn't do the like the perfect color scheme. He does the perfect color scheme for every one of his shots mm. to fit the story. Yeah, the color tells a story in his own story. Mm. 
and nobody like uh, it's just so frustrating we'll talk we should just do like episodes where we just dissect a direct like maybe that'll be my birthday episode next since I still haven't got one for the well, last yeah, because because we, we want to do uh, there's Wes Anderson movies that we want to do as well because we've only done Rushmore so far, which is ironically Rushmore probably is a good one to do because oh, it's, just... it's still my favorite. But um, yeah, well, actually, Life Aquatics up there too, but um, Life Aquatics. Yeah, yeah. we'll do All that. Right, at some... We'll do that at some point. Anyway, we love the nice guys and uh, i think we both believe we're both the nice guys in many ways and the fact that we're both flawed but we try to just get get through life trying to do the right thing as much as we can um and i think that's probably why it speaks to us so much is that we i think it takes um a certain kind of person to recognize who they are and try to deal with it and i think that's what we see in the journey of the nice guys is like two guys that are just trying to deal with their own flaws as well as do the right thing by other people which is like a very hard thing to do at times but and you see characters kind of figure that out in the movie. And ironically, at the end, what does he say? It's good to see you drinking again, or whatever he says. Feels yeah. great. <laughs> it feels great. Yeah. I mean, and I think, and I think that's a kind of a thing about our podcast is like we're trying to deal with life, but sometimes you just need a fucking drink as well. Yeah. And to be taken away to a magical land where you just sit in a chair and they show you pictures. And maybe you have a couple drinks before it and you're just having a good time and you're just not dealing with the terrifying realities of reality. So it's like, that's what this film does very well. Yeah. It oh, reminds God. you of the terrifying things, but it tells you that it's, you know, there are good people working towards good solutions. Yeah. There's always, someone, that- there's always someone fighting, I guess, even if it may seem hopeless, I guess. We're all of Sisyphus pushing that boulder up, but there are a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And to put it in a major motion picture film is important. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really glad we did this one. We probably, there's probably random tangents we went on that, uh, that didn't, that at, on the surface don't seem too uh, pertinent to the film. But I think if you listen to it again, kind of like watching the film again, um, it, it it's a film that, like this podcast takes a couple of listenings to appreciate. Uh, but just rewatch the film a few more times. Don't listen to us again. That's dumb. Um, yeah, just watch it. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, oh, to wrap it up, I was going to fuck this up every time, but pour some popcorn, pint some pints, and drink some film. <laughs> I wish for things, man. My folks, they told me to reach for the stars. And then my pal on the podcast told me to reach for the listeners. And then the podcast died. And I reached for whatever came in a gallon that cost twenty nine fifty. David used to say I got no follow through. I hit nails halfway and stopped. He's not wrong.